Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, news broke yesterday. Donovan Mitchell, concussion protocol. He is out for tonight's game. Jazz are home to face the Houston Rockets and will have to do it without their leading score. Now, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, and it didn't work out before, which is another way of saying I'm wrong without saying I'm wrong. <laughs> the Jazz should have enough talent to beat the Rockets without Donovan Mitchell. They should do it. Now, they didn't have Mike Conley, and they were going back-to-back in Orlando, and they lost to Orlando. And they weren't full strength. They didn't have Rudy Gobert against Detroit, and they lost to Detroit. They didn't have Rudy, and they lost to the Indiana Pacers. I mean, these are three of the worst teams in basketball. And Houston's right there with them. Houston is not a good basketball team. There is nothing about Houston. This is a team in a rebuild. This is a team currently in the teardown bottom-out stage. They're sitting on 13 wins right now. Only Detroit and Orlando have fewer wins. The Pacers have the fifth-worst record in basketball. So, now, the Jazz have lost to four of the bottom seven teams in the NBA. So could they lose to Houston without Donovan? I suppose they should. They could. Should they? Absolutely not. 100%. This Jazz team has multiple guys that Houston would die to get their hands on right now. They just, like, they take them. They take all the salary implications. <laughs> the Jazz should win this game. They're at home. It ought to happen. Yeah, I know. Everybody's worried it isn't going to happen. So Now, does this explain a little bit of what happened with Donovan in the second half? I, I suppose so. Have you ever had a concussion and um, not known it? I, I did once. I was in a car wreck. It was uh, had to be 20 years ago now. And the cops wanted to put me in an ambulance and send me to the hospital. And I wasn't bleeding. I didn't have a broken bone. Uh, no, I'm fine. And, uh, well, you can't drive the car and... You're going to have a toad, and you got to have somebody come pick you up. My wife came and picked me up. Yeah, oh, you want to go to the hospital? No, I'm fine. I don't have a concussion. She starts driving the car. You know, it takes a while to do the paperwork and all that. She starts driving the car, and I'm like, uh, I think I should go to the hospital. I might have a concussion. It was clear to other people. I didn't know. Now, maybe it wasn't clear to other people, you know, or certainly wasn't clear to Donovan, I guess. Or maybe it was, and he tried to play through it. So it's a, it's a little odd to get the delayed reaction because they're, they're pretty careful with that these days. But, you know, if it doesn't come in an obvious moment with your head, you know, striking the ground or something like that, maybe they missed it. But no Mitchell tonight. And the Jazz, and they need to win this game. They need to beat Detroit. They need to get a little uh, get a little momentum going before the schedule toughens up because they are about to see the Phoenix Suns for the first time. And they're about to see the Warriors. And the Warriors won last night. They beat Detroit. Uh, the Warriors are shorthanded. They're not playing great. But they just blew Detroit off the floor in the first half. They had that lead up over 20, and you can look at the minutes, man. Guys did not play big minutes down the stretch because that game was under control. Detroit made the final score look better, but man, Detroit was down 20, down 25, and they were struggling. And Jazz get Houston tonight, they get Detroit on Friday. Then it's at Golden State Sunday, at Phoenix Monday back-to-back, home to face Phoenix on Wednesday. So, tough stretch of schedule coming up. How do the Jazz measure up against the top two teams in the league? Jazz have dropped the fourth in the West. That is still the fourth best record in the NBA. The top four teams in the West all have a better record than everybody in the East. So for the rest of Jazz now, it's a chance to step up. Joe Ingles, I assume, back into the starting lineup. Bigger role for Joe. We usually see him uh, deliver in these kind of situations. So, you know, you got a lot of guys who had bad shooting games. And we always talk about the law of numbers. Man, that was a great line for Matt Harpering. Um, the law of averages, a.k.a. the law of numbers. Guys who are coming off a bad shooting night, bogey. 
Rudy Gay, Jordan Clarkson, look for them to get going. Obviously, Donovan had a poor shooting night. Maybe the concussion was part of that, and he's not going to go tonight. But these other guys, man, they, they have got to get this win tonight. It's just they've lost five out of six now. And I know they didn't have Rudy for four of them, but they should have beat the Lakers, and they should have beat Detroit. They probably should have beat Indiana, too. So the losses are piling up. It has been a bad stretch here. They've lost six out of nine. And it is time to get going. All right, we got to get going. Got to take a break here. Uh, coming up, we got some NFL playoffs uh, for you. Really interesting to see uh, where it goes from here. Get serious now. Six teams out, some teams that we thought really probably shouldn't be in are out. So now the matchups get really good. Green Bay getting San Francisco. Green Bay ought to handle them. The Rams, man. The, the Rams going to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay shorthanded, miss some skilled players. That could be a good game. The Chiefs and Bills looks like the game of the weekend. That should be great. Don't know what to make of Tennessee and Cincinnati until if you know how good Derrick Henry can, how much he can play, how many carries can he handle, how's that foot doing. Uh, it's hard to know what to make of that game. All right, DJ and PK, we will uh, talk more playoff football next. We've got a Hall of Fame voter, a longtime NFL reporter. You're going to hear from him coming up in a minute. Stay with us. And we've also got basketball with Steve Cleveland coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. NFL playoffs, week one down. We are down to eight teams now. Six of them sent packing. Seven games to go before we get the champ. There's so many question marks. The Packers, to me, are clearly the favorite. Doesn't mean they'll do it. They lost to the Bucks at home last year. They are clearly the favorite. The Bucks injuries everywhere. The right tackle got hurt early in the game. And at first, just so many guys down for them. You know, are, are they going to get Fournette back? Giovanni Bernard, a former Bengal. Can you imagine Gio in the Super Bowl? Bucks and Bengals against his old team. Uh, you know, he got it done week one. But man, that was a low bar against the Eagles. So I think the Bucks-Rams is a really enticing matchup. And I think that the, uh, the Packers-Niners looks like the easiest game to pick. But the Niners' defense means it's not a slam dunk. But Garoppolo's got a thumb injury. Now he's got a shoulder injury. The Packers are the better team. The Packers are playing at home. Packers have a week off to get healthy. I mean, this screams Packers. But that Niner Niner front four, that Niner defense, and Fred Warner had the sprained ankle, the former Cougar supposed to play. Can they go out and win 17-14? How did the New York Giants at 9-7 win a Super Bowl? Clutch plays by the offense, but an awesome front four that dominated the line of scrimmage and got after the quarterback. So you're saying there's a chance. For more on the first round of the NFL playoffs, those wild card games, Jason Cole, longtime NFL reporter. He's a Hall of Fame elector. He's got a ballot. He gets to vote. He joined PK and I yesterday. He'll drop some last nights referencing that Monday night blowout between the Cardinals and Rams. I really thought that was going to be a better game. I thought the Rams were going to win, but I thought it was going to be a better game. Anyway, here is Jason. He joined us uh, in yesterday's show. Here he is with his thoughts on the opening round of the NFL playoffs. Jason, welcome back to the show. Good to be here. What's going on, guys? Well, there's a lot of storylines and there's a lot of things to get to, but the Cowboys are America's team. And the end of that game was a mess. And there were way too many penalties. And honestly, they got dominated by that Niner defense. They only scored seven points in the first three quarters. That's a huge problem. 
And is anything going to change in Dallas at all, or is it just going to be wash, rinse, and repeat, and we'll see these Cowboys win a bunch of regular season games and check out of the playoffs early again next year? You got it. You're, you're, you're good. You, you you got the explanation. It's it's not changing. <laughs> like Jerry Jones is in charge, and the only thing that he wants is a coach that will allow him to do what he wants. So he's not going to change up for that. And it do- ultimately doesn't really matter who the coach is. Uh, I would say this. I think Mike McCarthy's done a pretty good job of navigating Jerry to get the team to where it is. Um, I think Jerry's going to interfere more and more because he thinks he has a team that's ready to win a Super Bowl. But other than that, no. I, I don't see them changing after having a coach who got them to the playoffs. And, by the way, they led the league in scoring this year. I mean, that's, that's a good team. It's not a great team, but it's a good team, and they're going the right direction. So I, I think some of this histrionics about firing McCarthy are kind of silly. Do you feel the same way about uh, Kingsbury with Arizona? Um, I mean, generally, yes. I mean, it, I, I, look, again, I think Kingsbury's done a really good job. I'm not a big fan of that offense. Um, I think that offense is based on – it's X's and O's based spacing – that requires superior players to make it work the right way. And so when you lose a DeAndre Hopkins, all of a sudden everything sort of falls apart, if that makes sense. Um, so they have to do one thing. They either have to get, you know, they have to get Hopkins back, but they constantly have to feed that offense star receivers, or they have to make the transition to what. New Orleans did with Drew Brees so much, which was make sure that you have two really good guards, great guards, and a really great center who are stout, who make sure that you have a clean pocket for your short quarterback. Um, Because he can't really exist other than that. Uh, I mean, like the interception on the the Connor screen pass. Well, Connor, you can make the argument that Connor should have caught the ball. That's the kind of throw that you get from a short quarterback because he's got to angle that ball up high and and hard to get it around the defensive lineman. So you really got to have a clean pocket for a guy like that. So Kingsbury has to go one of two ways. I think the most likely way is he's going to go with superior wide receivers. So they have to keep bringing in those guys. And unfortunately, they're either A, high draft picks, or B, expensive free agents. They've gone from five wins to eight wins to 11 wins in the three years he's been there. Should there be this much mm-hmm. hand-wringing, or should they just no. – I mean, they, they seem on the right track, even though the results – the problem is they, they play much better early in the year than they do play late, and then they play late in the year. And that has been a trend each of the three years. Sure. But the win total is still – I mean, that, that's a great trend, 5, 8, 11. Absolutely. They're doing fine. Okay, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be changing the coach. I'm not. I wouldn't. I'm not sure I would have hired him in the first place because, again, as a foot, he doesn't play a kind of style of football that I like to play, um, and I like to build because I think it's precarious. But if you were going to draft that quarterback, you're going to go draft a coach who knows how to use that particular quarterback, right? So 
from that perspective, I'm I'm good with it. And like one size does not fit all in the NFL. You can win multiple ways with multiple different systems. The question is, what is the most consistent way to win in the NFL? And I don't think it's the way that Kingsbury coaches and the way that he's formulated his offense or the way that you have a short quarterback who depends on running around. You know, a short quarterback who runs around eventually becomes a short quarterback who doesn't run as much because his body gets banged up. And that day is going to come sooner than later. And what you have left is a guy that you have to protect in a very, very different way. From both aspects, Jason, I was really surprised with the Bills and Patriots. What do you make of both of those teams in that situation? I thought that was going to be a blowout. Um, I I wasn't surprised at all. I think Buffalo is just better than them. Um, Now, it got out of hand. It was extreme, obviously, because Buffalo scored a touchdown on every one of their possessions. But I don't think those two teams are particularly close. And I don't think that – I think the Patriots – I think Mac Jones was okay in the first playoff game as a rookie in a brutal environment and a hard place to throw in zero-degree weather. He better learn to do that because that's going to be the kind of playoff weather he plays in his entire career as long as in the the Northeast. Um, So I, I think there were some promising things for the Patriots. But the Patriots were a team that won a lot of games this year by reducing errors and, and slowing games down and um, you know, just playing percentages. And once in a, when you come up against teams that are just better than you and have better personnel overall, they're going to they're gonna destroy you. And I know Buffalo, their record doesn't indicate that, but they had this really rough patch in the middle of the season You know when they got, got banged up, their offense had some problems. And, you know, they lost Tredavious White. You know, if you take away that middle part of the season, this is a team that started 4-1 and one and ended the regular season 4-0 and oh, and now are basically 5-0, and oh, you know, five-game winning streak. That's a pretty dominant team. You know, they survived that middle stretch and made the playoffs. I, I think Buffalo is a lot better than we make them out to be. And I think they have a pretty good chance to go into Kansas City with that with that offense and because they're willing to throw it and challenge that Chiefs defense. The Chiefs and the Bucks both win big. They were supposed to win big. The seven seeds mm-hmm. haven't won yet. I'm sure they will at some point because we've seen nine and seven teams go to the Super Bowl and in the case of the Giants win it. So it'll happen. But do you do you like this? <laughs> I mean, are they letting in too many teams? Or is it just it's a money machine? And if the the number two seeds have quarterbacks that everybody wants to watch, and the NFL wouldn't have made money if those guys had buys and were standing on the sidelines. So just deal with the expanded playoffs. Yeah, pretty much. Like this is still a business. At the end of the day, <laughs> they want they want to see more games. They want Monday night games. They like Sunday night games. They yeah you know, they want games. There's, you know, networks are desperate for more live action. So give them what they want, take the money for it, and run. Um, I hope they don't go to eight. I mean, it's like seven's pushing it. It really is. I mean, because Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's record was, was fine, but Pittsburgh was a horrible team this year. I mean, that, that offense by the end of the year was just – I mean, it was, it was awful to watch. And I wasn't – you know, like that game – I basically didn't watch 
much beyond the second quarter, right? So I don't know how how valuable that is as a as a commodity long term for the networks, other than they do have some action. Um, and you know, Philly, I wasn't really dying to watch that team play in the playoffs either. Um, they're pretty mediocre, but you know, they had winning records, so it's okay. I think you get into troubling areas where you have those years where you got eight and nine teams, or maybe even at some point a seven and ten team. That's really a, where I think you're you're hurting the integrity of your game if that starts to happen. But I, I still think that's going to be the exception. Um, other than that, yeah, deal with it. This is this is what you get from a money making enterprise. For sure, yeah, no doubt about that. As I look ahead, I view Green Bay as a solid number one seed, and obviously, in my mind, they believe they belong there. Uh, in the AFC, Tennessee's the number one seed, and, and they belong there because they got there. But are, do you view them as invincible? And maybe I'm wrong to view Green Bay as a heavy favorite, and we'll see what happens. But I think Cincinnati has a decent shot against Tennessee. Oh, yeah. I like. I mean, now they played in the regular season, and, and Tennessee stopped them pretty good. And I think Tennessee's, offense, Tennessee's defense is, is pretty darn good in the back end. Um, and their ability to handle Jamar Chase and Higgins and, and Boyd um, they're going to give Joe Burrow more trouble than you expect. The other, the other problem I have with Cincinnati is I thought Zach Taylor was a little bit too conservative early in the game when he had opportunities to to put that game away. Like they, their first three possessions were all deep in Oakland territory. Via um, return or the or the fumble by Derek Carr, and they go up thirteen nothing. But that really needed to be a 17 or 21 to nothing game for them to sort of establish themselves as, hey, look, we're serious contenders. There's still that, you know, <laughs> they're not ready for primetime players. That that's They're really, really good. Um, I just figure that they're going to fall into being, you know, into being Bengalized by the Brown family and, like, they're just not going to achieve what they're supposed to achieve. That's that's my fear of this Bengals team with Burrow and Chase. Now, hopefully they overcome it. But I was really kind of disappointed with Zach Taylor not driving that game a little bit harder. All that said, yeah, the matchup is pretty good for them if they can get a couple of quick scores. If they can get a couple of quick scores and put the game in Ryan Tannehill's hands where he's forced to drop back a lot and they either don't use uh, – you know Dante Freeman, or they don't use Derrick Henry um, on a regular basis and, and pound Cincinnati. Then I think that becomes a game. But if it's a slower game where Tennessee is, you know, it's a one-score game all the way, and Tennessee is able to establish their running game, I think that becomes really hard for the Bengals. For the Titans here, doesn't it just depend on if they get their star back back and get him healthy and he's 100%? Because if they've got him, then they're back to who they were when they, as PK say, they earned the number one seed. I mean, credit them for holding on to it without him. But to think that they can win three straight playoff games with him at limited in whatever fashion he's limited, whether it's conditioning or soreness or injury or re-injury or whatever, that that seems like a crazy thought. But if he's 100%, they could do this. 
Yeah, I don't know. Look, that's a tough foot injury to come back from a loose Frank, Frank fra- fracture. Um, you know, so we'll see uh, on that one, you know, how much confidence he has in his feet because, you know, big, a big guy's got to be have, have that confidence to really put your foot in the ground and, and you know, attack, attack a, a defender. Look, but I thought Foreman was really good, right? Like, I don't think that that's necessarily their problem. I think their problem is if they – like, if, if Ryan Tannehill has to make too many plays, he's still just Ryan Tannehill. He's a really nice version of Rich Gannon. Um, like, that that's what he is. Um, you don't want to have to have him have to make – five or six plays, you know, critical throws in a game. You want to reduce that down to two, three, maybe four big throws, you know, third and six, third and eight plays, you know, getting you out of bad field position so that, you know, you're, you're punting from, you know, when you have to give up the ball, you're not giving it up in, in, you know, mid feet at midfield, things like that. That's, that's the kind of thing I worry about with Tennessee more than anything else. Their defense, championship caliber defense, no question. The coach, I mean, Vrabel learned everything possible from Belichick in terms of game management that you pop, that you could. And on top of that, he's a great communicator and has a vision for what his team should be, right? Um, so you have a, a really great up-and-coming coach. So all the pieces are in place for them to win with the exception of one thing the quarterback's just he's a you know he's above average player and that's about it i that's the best i can say about him so i you know that's where i think the liability comes in uh for them because in the in the playoffs you need a combination of a great quarterback and a great coach generally to get you through it they got one of those two not not the critical one the quarterback. Jason, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and talking NFL playoffs this morning. Anytime, guys. Be good. Enjoy it. There's Jason Gold, longtime NFL reporter and a Hall of Fame elector. When we come back, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He joined us in the 9 o'clock hour yesterday. And a lot of takes both on BYU's big win at USF and the Jazz loss to the Lakers. That's next. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Steve Cleveland joined us in the final hour of the show yesterday to talk about the Jazz disheartening loss to the Lakers and the three-point struggles and the way they shot the ball so poorly. And also about BYU's big win at USF. I had been saying that uh, you know with the BYU big guys out and with their struggle scoring, the limited option scoring the ball, I, I really wondered if they are going to make the NCAA tournament. A loss at USF and you struggle... A, couple other games and and drop them to some inferior teams on the road as we've seen them do before and and you're out because your good games at the start of the year are trumped by the bad games at the end because they say oh you had injuries you don't have the guys and so those wins and they devalue those wins and they kick you out of the tournament because it's a tournament for power five teams which will benefit BYU in a couple more tournaments but right now it works against them but that win at USF that's a great win that is a it's a road win against a team that's undefeated at home, fifteen and two going into the game. It's a great win, and also it gives me more confidence as these other guys step into bigger roles that they'll be able to handle some of these lesser teams on the road and not mess those games up. And they got more of a cushion to work with now because they got another quality win in the bag. I'm feeling really good, and some of you always felt really good, so I'm just late to the party. But I am feeling really good about BYU getting into the NCAA tournament now. All right, for more. 
More hoops. Here's Steve Cleveland. Late in yesterday's show, he'll drop some last nights on the Jazz and Lakers. Jazz and Rockets tonight. Uh, here's Steve Cleveland with PKNI. It's time to welcome in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. His weekly interview brought to you by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Steve, it's a good morning if you're a BYU basketball fan, fired up by a come-from-behind win on the road at USF that went right down to the buzzer. It is not a good morning if you're a Jazz fan and you just watched them lose to the Lakers. Which game would you prefer to discuss first? Because ultimately, we're going to talk about both of them. You know, let's talk about BYU for a minute. Uh, you know, it's a fun group to watch. And you're right, it was a big win. Uh, and I think a couple things happened on that trip. First of all, playing Gonzaga... You know, you'd think if you put up 80-some points, you'd be in a competitive game. But Gonzaga shot like 60, 60% in that game and just was incredible. Uh, but that being said, uh, I, the loner kid, I think this is a big, big weekend for him. I, I have been waiting for this young man, Caleb Loner, to, to kind of make a mark and, and find his place with his team. He's, he's athletic. He can shoot it. He's got good feel for the game. And, he goes 17 to five against Gonzaga, and then makes some big baskets uh, at San Francisco. Uh, I, I think that would, for me, he's going to really help BYU going forward. It looked like he had the confidence. Uh, Barcello, obviously, receiving lots of accolades around the country for how well he shoots the ball, how well he runs his team. But it is a team that's really connected defensively, uh, and even though Traore and and Gideon George and Atiki, you know, there's not, you know, there's not a lot of a lot of size, and they lose two bigs. It, it hurts, obviously. But at the end of the day, I think defensively, this team is just rock solid. I mean, they're just playing so well, and you always kind of like to go small anyway. And they're having to go small; it gives them a little more flexibility. But everybody seems to be clicking. I I, I see them going to the tournament. We've talked about this before. Uh, I still think it's going to be a chore to win the conference, but uh, beat, beating USF there was a big win, and you know it's maybe a year where they only have a, a two or three losses at the max uh, in conference play. So fun to watch. I, I don't watch all the time. Watch all the games just because of circumstances, and I actually watch both the BYU games, and I, I think defensively they were just so good that uh, they made timely big baskets when they needed to. And uh, San Francisco kind of helped them. I mean, you, <laughs> you got nine or ten seconds to go, and Boye ends up taking down a contested 26-pointer, 26-foot shot. That, that didn't make much sense because San Francisco still had a chance to get into overtime, but they didn't. But congrats to BYU, just really guarding, playing connected, together, tough, tough group of guys and uh, fun to watch play. All right, so tell me I'm stupid and you've got no problem telling me this. What When I watch Holmgren at his stage, I see a little bit of Garnett, I see a little bit of Durant, and I spe- see a little bit of Nowitzki. I mean, I, I, I like your, your analysis there. Uh, you know, you, I've watched him two or three times. And, uh, you know, obviously it's gonna, his, there's an adjustment. And, and it's not like, I mean, getting into conference, the, the level of competition won't be what it, it, it has been. I mean, they played quite a tough preseason. Uh, yeah, he's got a big-time ceiling, man. I'm, I'm telling you right now that he's so long. 
and and he's more athletic than he looks, and he's got a good feel for the game. I mean, he's going to get stronger, and he's going to get more comfortable. And I, you know, he's he obviously he's probably going to be a pro next year. And when he gets into that environment, I, I, I think he, you know, you, you can see him. You, at times he looks awkward and he's not in the right spot. But then you see moments and go, whoa, down the road, this kid's going to be a really good player. And uh, but he's for Gonzaga, you know, to have Timmy and to have him inside and, and two very different post guys. But I, I could see Holmgren being a guy like Mobley, you know, too, where he he spends time out on the perimeter and he perfects that three point shot and. Uh, but he is long and talented, and uh, you know, watching that Gonzaga game, I didn't know a lot about their teams. But the the six five point guard, uh, Nembrod, uh, wow, he's real. I, I thought they lost a little bit when they lost the guards from last year, but that guy stepped in and, and gave him twenty two and twelve, and um, that's a nice, that's a fun team to watch, and uh, and I, and I really did feel like BYU played well against them, but Gonzaga is just that good. So more impressive, Gonzaga with three straight games with 60-point first halves, three points a minute, or the Buffalo Bills never having a fourth down against the New England Patriots. More overwhelming (laughs) offensive performance. Yeah, you know what? Everybody here in the San Joaquin Valley is kind of pulling for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, The quarterback there is from Fireball, which is a small little town in north of Fresno that nobody's ever heard of and he ends up going to Reedley Junior College and then ends up going to Wyoming. So uh, the, the Buffalo Bills are high on everybody's list in Central Valley right now. I'm going to throw a name at you from the past that few remember. Treori, Celeste Rivers. You think it's an accurate yes. comparison? Yes, yes. Treori's even got more bounce. Those two dunks, those little sneaky dunks he had. <laughs> I mean, it's all of a sudden, boom, it was so quick. But no, somebody asked me that the other day, and I, I, I agree. It, it, it kind of reminds me of watching Lester Rivers. And, uh, and, and this kid has even more toughness. I mean, my goodness, and explosive hops. But he, they have very similar games. Uh, I think Priori has a, a, a bigger upside because he's just so explosive. And uh, I've never seen anybody get two quicker dunks than he did on rebounds. And uh, but yeah, I like I like that comparison a lot. So the Jazz lose to the Lakers, a 500 Laker team, and this just adds to the list. The Jazz have four losses to the bottom three teams in the East. What do the Jazz have to fix so that they go into the playoffs and Jazz fans feel good about their chances? Because I don't think any Jazz fan waking up this morning is feeling good about them. <clears throat> no, because uh, you know, Memphis is going to take their place in that third spot, it looks mm-hmm. like. <clears throat> and, you know, I watch, and I don't have a chance, like you all, to watch all the games. <clears throat> and I do get bits and pieces. But I watched the whole Jazz game yesterday. And I have a love hate relationship with the Lakers, who have always kind of been a team that, growing up in LA, I mean, I, I, it, I can't stand being a Laker fan. I, I can't stand how they play. Uh, it, it, everything's so static, and you just wouldn't want me to go off the Lakers. But here, here we go. We got them playing the Jazz, and <clears throat> I didn't realize before I started watching the game that the Jazz have been on the road for it seems like a month or so. So. I think some of it had to do with the fact that they've had seven of eight on the road. But for me, watching them last night, nothing was north-south. There wasn't <clears throat> a lot of movement. And, 
they just they seemed like they shot a lot of contested shots. They couldn't get to the glass, and they looked tired. To be honest with me, I I, I had not seen them play a lot, so I I, I will admit that first. Lately, uh, I follow the scores, but I I'm looking at that game and just call, I mean I, Mitchell was just like non-existent. He he, he just. He wasn't. He didn't even have a presence in the game, and he always has a presence in the game. So you know, I think part of it is the fact you've been on the road for a couple of weeks and you're just tired. And hopefully they'll get through this. But you're right. There were some bad losses to some not so great teams. But I think what I've watched during this year, with all the COVID issues and watching all the changes and lineups changing, that uh, even though we may not know their names. If you're in the league, you, you know, guys that play in that league are all pretty good players. And a lot of them just given the opportunity with the right attitude and the energy, uh, that's how upsets take place. But there's a lot of really good players in this league that none of us have ever heard of. And every night there's a new guy that steps up and has a big night. But the Jazz didn't have a lot of energy last night. They just settled for shots. Um, and, and that being said, the Lakers gave them every opportunity to get back into the game time and time again. And, and so it, was, it wasn't like they just quit, but I just felt like the Jazz lacked energy. They, there was no really attacking the rim. Uh, it, it just, they just seemed a little listless, to be honest with you. And I think that probably has more to do with being on the road for a week and a half and playing away from home. But they, they certainly were not connected last night, and they didn't shoot the ball well. Mitchell goes 0 for 8 from the three. Bogdanovich is 1 for 9. Uh, Clarkson, I mean, Clarkson struggled. You know, it's six points. Uh, you, can't, you can't win anywhere at 37 and 27% shooting threes and shooting two-point field goals. So uh, I, I suspect it'll be good for him to go back home and play the Rockets and the Pistons. But I, I was looking last night, and I was just kind of looking at everybody's schedules. And they got to go play at Golden State, at the Suns, back home with the Suns, and then play Memphis on the road. So they're going to need to get their act together really quickly here, get the rest they need, get refocused, because, uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to win the next two ball games. Hopefully that'll give them some confidence, but they've got to go out and have five or six really tough tests in a row. And uh, so I, I've seen the Jazz play so much better, and so have you, but last night they just didn't seem to have their legs. And uh, it, it just, there wasn't a great deal of energy. I don't think I'm going to, you know, focus so much on that game as I am. What's going to happen when they get back home, get some rest? And, and really, what I'm going to watch to see is how they match up with the Suns and Golden State and Memphis, because that's going to decide whether they're going to have a chance to be a second or a third place team or more like a fourth or a fifth. More than likely, the Jazz are probably pretty locked in. I mean, Dallas is one. They've started, got it going and stuff, but I think I think still the Jazz are going to be one of the top four teams. But right now they could, you know, they they could drop if they continue to play this way. But uh, yeah, I love Memphis, so I'm I'm kind of on a Memphis kick right now. After going and seeing them play in person the other day, uh, <clears throat> I really like that team, and uh, and they play with great energy and great purpose. And you got young guys that are getting after it, and the Jazz aren't that young. And so they, they're usually connected and they're usually together. Uh, let's hope they get that thing turned around quick. As a coach, how do you handle it when guys aren't shooting well and maybe you question their shot selection 
Uh, can you say, hey, that's not the best shot in terms of confidence can be fickle with shooting. So from a coach perspective, what's the best way to go about it when guys aren't hitting their shots? You know, I, I, watching a lot of film helps, I think, uh, because you can, you can just see tendencies. But I think one of the things you just mentioned, that is, is is taking contested shots early in shot clocks or, you know, whatever the circumstances are. And sometimes, you know, it's just the circumstances. You get the ball late in the shot clock and you got to shoot it. But I, I think that one, that's one of the things I just can't stand about the Lakers <laughs> is, is they're always shooting contested shots. And a lot of that deals with there's not a lot of movement. And, and, and I, that's what I saw kind of last night with the Jazz. There, there wasn't the kind of movement – and so a lot of things will be like, hey, are we moving collectively as a team? Are we moving without the ball? Are we making sharp cuts? Are we coming off the back screens, the front screens, all the down screens, everything we're doing? You know, how is that? What's that look like? Okay, well, we're doing those things. Okay, so let's, let's take a look at mechanics. And, and, but I like to watch film because the film doesn't lie, and you, you have an opportunity to kind of, okay, those weren't good shots. You know, that, that there was a better shot. And usually the Jazz are a one more in another, you know. I mean, they're very unselfish, but last night they just settled. And they settled and took a lot of contested shots. The other thing is, you know, and, and in the NBA, they've got so many coaches. But just taking the time to, to competitively shoot in a gym. As a head coach in college and in junior college and even high school, when my better players were struggling, I had to work them out and just have an opportunity. Now, the pros have so many good coaches, and that's probably not a need for the head coach to work with them. I, that's what I did, and I, guess I wanted to not only just help them physically, but let them know, you know mentally that, listen, you can do this, that you're, you're a good shooter, and, and focus on the positive, and then watch film of them making shots. And, and, and one of the things I know as a player, I always wanted to try to get to the free throw line, or I wanted to get to the rim and score early, to get the confidence because the basket got a lot bigger. And if your first three or four shots are threes and you're not close, all of a sudden it gets in your mind. And I don't care who you are. uh, It's one of those things, how great you are. The mental part of shooting is a significant thing. And it always helps yourself if you can get to the free throw line or get to the rim and, and, and get that confidence, especially when players are struggling with confidence. And I, I can't imagine that McDonavich or Mitchell or Clarkson, I, I think they get through this and they'll be, you know, it, it may be as simple as one game and they can get it turned. But those are things that I would do when, and, and these guys are pros, they all have their own coaches and shooting coaches, but I, I, I promise you that they're all going to be getting shots up today and, and wanting to get that groove back and get it back where the ball needs to be. And film can show a lot. And at that level, man, they got so many analytics and technology that, they can help there, but a lot of times just getting in the gym and taking it. But if you're always taking contested shots, and you're taking, you know, man, and that's not a that's not a jazz, you know, that's not something that the Jazz do. They're they're not a team that takes a lot of contested shots you do or forces shots. It's always one more, and it's inside out and create space. I didn't see much of any creating off the drive and kicking and one more. It, it, everything was kind of static and stationary last night as I watched that game. The Athletic has a story that says the headline, Sources, Lakers coach Frank Vogel's job in serious jeopardy despite Jazz win. Bill Orem and Sam Amick are uh, 
the two guys who wrote it. We know Bill because he wrote it at the Tribune. Uh, they point out that uh, Vogel only got a one-year extension in the offseason, which was an, kind of an awkward compromise. It's a 500 team now. Man, when you hear that, you're a coach. I assume you're going to side with Vogel and say, this roster has obviously got holes in it, and they've dealt with multiple injuries to star players. What in the world are they firing the coach for? Now, they haven't. Thinking about it is different than doing it, but as a coach. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any fairness in that at all. And, and you, know, you know, might as well make LeBron the coach, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you Because know, that seems kind of what's happening anyway. But it, it, and you know, I watched Coach Vogel. I when when I lived in Indiana and Paul George was there, we were serving a mission back there. I went to a couple of games and I actually got to meet him and 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 watch their teams and and I don't know who the best coach is for this, but man, when you look at all the circumstances, you know, you mentioned the injuries and you know, I don't I don't think he put that. I don't know. Maybe maybe he did have a, a lot of responsibility in putting that team together, but man, there's a lot of gaping holes and there have been injuries. But, but it's a team, for, to me, the, the, most, the thing that bothers me most about the Lakers is, is, is just the lack of movement. It's so static, and it's just one-on-one. Everything's one-on-one. And they are solid defensively. They showed that last night. They can play defense, but it's hard to play defense and make baskets when you're always behind. And, and their shot selection is not great all the time. And, and there were good things last night watching, but I've watched them enough to know that they take way too many contested shots. They're not solid defensively, um, and they've got some weaknesses. So, I guess that in in today's world, the first guy that goes is the coach. But I, I don't think there's any fairness in that, considering the injuries, considering protocol. This is not the time to be firing coaches. I, I don't know what how things are going to change if the guy next sitting next to him is going to now be the head coach. I just don't see that. I don't think that's the issue, and I don't think it's going to solve their problems. Um, and I, I still believe if, if the Lakers were to do some things differently offensively and, and, and guys get healthy and get on protocol and Anthony Davis actually could get back to where he's playing. I, you know, I, I was a big proponent of Anthony Davis playing the, the five, and, and I still am to a certain degree. I, I believe it, it causes double teams. But, if, if, you know, the problem is you got guys who they spent $90 million on Horton Tucker who's shooting 24% from the three and 40% from the two, and the rest of the shooters are so up and down. Now, Monk had a good night. Uh, you know, Kate Ellington will have you – know, there's no consistency with their shooting. And, and so they're going to immediately double Anthony Davis every time he gets the ball because they can leave guys that aren't shooting well. If the Lakers could put somebody on the floor, get four guys on the floor, they could shoot it. Anthony Davis would be a perfect five because he's hard to guard because he can take and step out. He can do so many things. Uh, well, the way things are right now, maybe he just better. Maybe you're better off just getting them on the perimeter and taking elbow shots and taking threes and getting something out of them. But but uh, I, I just don't like the guys they surrounded. It's forced Anthony Davis to uh, not, I mean, he, Anthony Davis, even though he's, I think he's still averaging 23 or 24 points a game, but if you take enough shots and you're as big as he is, but I, this is not a coach problem. This is the organization of a team, and you brought all these guys in, and it's taken a long time. Do I believe a month from now or two months from now they could get it together and get going? I do, but I don't think it's there to win an NBA championship. I don't think they can get out of the West. Uh, anyway, I think the Suns and Golden State and Memphis 
uh, are going to have home court advantage. They're going to be playing on the road more. Uh, the Laker fan in me from years past, yeah, I'd love to see him figure it out. But uh, Byron, Coach Vogel, that that doesn't make sense. What they do at the end of the year, but who who are they going to get to? There's it's just there's not an there's not an answer to that question. The guys sitting next to him or two guys down, whoever that coach is, is going to have a different relationship. LeBron James is the coach of this basketball team. He he's been probably very involved in bringing these guys in. He on the floor, they kind of have a system, but it's real simple. But LeBron makes a lot of this. It appears from the outside that this is LeBron's team and. It's really hard to coach and play in the game at the same time, and that's part of the Lakers' problem. Steve, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Have a good one. There's Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. I think there are a few that could have been better. There's just certain instances where the game gets harder when you play a team that's, you know, as aggressive as they are. So a few shots could have been better. But overall, you know, as far as the threes, I'm most okay with most of them or pretty much all of them. Could have been a little better. Donovan Mitchell after the game against the Lakers. The Jazz announcing yesterday he's been placed into concussion protocols. He had symptoms that they say manifested in the loss in L.A. on Monday. The contact that caused the concussion happened in the second quarter. So, PK, no Donovan Mitchell tonight. I have said this before. I'll say it again. They should be able to win without him. Obviously, they've been shorthanded and lost games before, recently against Detroit and Indiana, earlier this year against Orlando. So we've been down this road before, but they ought to have enough talent to handle Houston. Yeah, it's different when they are without Gobert because they don't have really anybody to replace him, replace him where they have people who can replace Mitchell offensively on a limited basis of course you want him in the lineup he's a very good player an all-star and I think he'll be an all-star again this year but you know, I would assume Joe slides into the starting lineup and away they go Houston's not a very good team although they got some nice young pieces I'll give them that but it shouldn't add up to a win on the road against a Jazz team that has still got guys who can score Correct. Yeah, and I totally agree. They're shorthanded, but they're not that shorthanded. So we'll see what happens tonight, see how the Jazz handle this. 7 o'clock, the tip time. Uh, how long will Mitchell be out? We see NFL guys, you know, out for a week. The Jazz have the Pistons coming up on Friday. Then the schedule gets real interesting with the Warriors and the Suns out there. I think if I'm Quinn Snyder, I go to him and I say, this is your time, Elijah Hughes. No, I don't think you do. You saw what he did against Toronto. Now you're just telling me he can't do it in the U.S.? He's just a foreign guy? <laughs> you think it has to do with international borders? <laughs> well, he played at Syracuse. That's up there. That's close by, you know? That is. That's not very far away. <laughs> Good point. All right, the Jazz back in action tonight. It's the Rockets. Tip-off is at 7 o'clock. Pre-game show at 6 o'clock on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. 
Curry gets it wide open left corner, and that's money for him. Cold hard cash, and Dwayne Casey, the first one to crack, he'll call the timeout. Warriors lead by 16, Curry's got 11. Where will the Wolves turn? 109-108, they trail by one. D'Lo's got it inside of midcourt, guarded by Alec Burks. To his left, Anthony Edwards now with it. Shot clock is down to 10. Bounce pass, Towns, top of the key against Julius Randle. Takes a dribble, left-handed, down the lane, up off glass, counted for two. Fournier up top, off the Randle screen. Curls into the paint, runs up the shot, off glass, no. Rebound loose, Alec Burks has he steps back on a three, fires no, but a whistle. There is no foul. It's a Timberwolves victory. Minnesota holds on to beat the Knicks. That was former Jazz man Alec Burks with a potential game tire there. It doesn't go. Carl Anthony Towns, New Jersey guy, returns to the Big Apple and leads the Wolves to the win, 112-110. I like that, a game tire. Not a game tying shot, but a game tire. A game tire. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's an interesting way of phrasing it. Uh, Minnesota's got something going on, finally. (laughs) You haven't wanted to say that. You because haven't they wanted didn't. to I hear that. I thought they that. were overrated. But when you look at Edwards, Towns, Russell, you know, Beverly's not a great player. Uh, maybe Beasley off the bench a little bit. I, I, they got a decent nucleus. I mean, they're only 22 and 22. But for them, that's a significant improvement. You know, I don't know if they're going to keep these guys or if they can add to it a little bit. But I, I think they got to at least finally have a decent nucleus that can grow up a little bit together. How much of that is the talent they have and how much of that is that the teams that are traditionally in front of them have been gutted by injuries? Uh, I think Edwards and Towns and Russell are good players. Blazers, Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets have all slipped because of injuries. That's open the door for Minnesota. Sure, but you you don't go back and look at Blazers, Clippers, and Nuggets before. Did they get better because Because other teams slipped? Because the Wolves had injuries. Yeah. I mean, we just play that. That's a one-way street that everybody plays. And I don't play on one-way streets, buddy. (laughs) Warriors blow out the Pistons 102-86, to a 16-point win, but that was... uh, that, that lead got up over 20 in the first half. That was huge. And the Warriors cruise in the second half. Clay Thompson, basically point-a-minute guy there, PK. He was firing. Yeah, and I turned that off. He <laughs> couldn't be bothered. There was no kind of competition there. There really, really wasn't. Was Speaking that? of one-way streets, way back when, I think my first year on the beat for the Watchdog with the Utes, I was with Doug Robinson at D-News, and we came out of a restaurant in the uh, Colorado or Fort Collins area. And it was dark, and we got turned around a little bit. And we started to go down a one-way street and uh, immediately got pulled over. And we're in a rent-a-car, and Doug's driving. And it's dark, as I say. And he can't figure out where the remote is to uh, roll down the window. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, I wonder what the wonder what the cops were assuming. Hi, officer. So we got it taken care of, and we told him, and the police officer uh, used common sense and uh, bought it. And away we went. But for a minute there, it was a little <laughs> nervous. And then, of course, years later, you laugh about it. Driving down a one-way street, and you can't lower the window. Yeah, and we weren't going. And it was a side street. It wasn't like it was a big street where yeah. there was all sorts of traffic or anything. If I remember, it was like basically almost an alley behind some restaurants. Because they had a parking lot there. So it, was, it wasn't anything major by any stretch. 
All right, we'll keep our eye on Clay Thompson. Jazz are going to see him on the weekend, and the uh, the comeback continues. Twenty one points in twenty two minutes as the Warriors beat the Pistons. And after the Jazz play the Rockets, those will be the Jazz' next two opponents right there, the Pistons and the Warriors. Denver Nuggets, San Antonio Spurs, Boston Celtics, a three-way deal. Nuggets get Bryn Forbes. They get some three-point shooting. Celtics get some cap relief. The Nuggets are sending Bull Bull and P.J. Dozier to the Celtics. So they don't want Bull squared, huh? Apparently not. They've tried to trade him (laughs) twice now. The first time... Uh, return to sender. Toronto's like, no, his foot's jacked up. He fails the physical. We're not doing the trade. We're out. Well, he had that issue in college, too. I mean, he barely played yeah. right for Oregon, was it? Yeah, he missed uh, basically a full year. Yeah. I think he played six games or something Is like his that. his nickname Curtis Borchard? hey <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Aggies on the road. Aggies in front. Aggies up by 10 at the half. But Fresno State comes back and wins the game 61-54. to And the Aggies take the L in Fresno. They leave town with a 10-8 and record. That was disappointing, up by 10 at halftime. And, and Bean had only had two points at halftime. And you're thinking this, hey, he'll get going. They've got the lead. But yeah. it didn't happen. He finished with 10 points on 4 of 13 shooting, one of his worst games of the year. He has really scored it for them this year and done other stuff, too. Oh, yeah, he's a double-double machine. Yeah. But 10 points, two rebounds, no assists, and three steals in this one for Bean. And the Aggies can't hold that lead. A 40-23 to 23 second half. Fresno dominates the second half. They win. They improve to 13-4. and four. Mountain West looking, you think a three-bid league this year, PK? Colorado State and San Diego State in, and they've got enough oh, teams yeah. playing well that as they beat each other up, whoever gets the advantage there will be end up being the third team. Uh, I suppose it's possible to, and then you have to see what the other leagues. It doesn't look like uh, Oregon's gotten hot, speaking of Oregon basketball. I mean, they sucked earlier in the season, and mm-hmm. then they went to L.A. and had that sweep of yep. two highly ranked teams. So you're looking at Arizona and both L.A.s unless they fall apart. And then uh, if Oregon can keep winning, I mean, very impressive road wins. Those are two of the better road wins that you're going to get anywhere. Oregon could be a fourth team for the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, unless uh, somebody else uh, gets high. Colorado, Colorado's always a lurker. With the NCAA tournament, it seems like they're always in contention. They're never a slam dunk uh, to get in. Uh, sometimes they do get in, but they seem to always be decent. Well, in the Mountain West, CSU is off to that thirteen and one start, and the Aztecs are ten and three. But Wyoming just came through and beat Utah State. They're only a two-loss team right now. Fresno just improved to thirteen and four with that win. So. You got some teams, Boise yeah, State. Yeah, I guess so. Boise State's also 13-4 like Fresno. I don't think all five are going to make it. I mean, somebody's going to get beaten down and all of that. And But I would think they're, the third team ought to be in pretty good shape. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. 
I'm excited about that challenge. Those of us that are competitors are. It makes you uneasy. But I've learned to run to those challenges. Um, I've learned to appreciate those challenges. The uncertainty surrounding them is inspiring to me in terms of producing work. Mike Tomlin, I'm beginning the process of finding Big Ben's replacement. Yeah, he can say that, and I take him at 100% in terms of sincerity. But at the same time, he also has virtually 100% job security. Does make it easier. Yeah, so if he wants to coach, he knows he's coaching pretty much for as long as he wants to coach. And if it should not be in Pittsburgh, if he would ever happen that he would leave, it doesn't look that way. But I think he would be like an Andy Reid and be on the market for about 10 minutes. Yes, totally agree. That story about Andy, that there were multiple owners who sent their private jets to the airport to pick him up. They were not waiting. He right. got on the Chiefs plane and... <laughs> And we know how that worked out. And I wonder if it'll be a similar deal. Will they acquire somebody who can keep them at a playoff caliber level, which is what the Chiefs did. They went and got Alex Smith from the Niners. And so that made them routinely a playoff team. And then they waited. They found their guy. They moved on from Alex. And they got the guy who made them a Super Bowl caliber team. Well, that's the best situation. Yeah. Get somebody who's good that can keep you competitive, draft somebody, have them sit for a year, and then, wow, right. away you go. I don't know that that can be recreated. Every team in the history of the NFL would sign off for that. Well, if, when you're losing a Hall of Famer and yeah. that's the way you do it. Pittsburgh, uh, Denver. A lot of the AFC has young quarterbacks. I don't think they'll be in the quarterback market. Maybe a team like Cleveland would choose to move on from Baker Mayfield, but there's a lot of it. I think everybody else in the Steeler division, all those quarterbacks have reps, and they're all 26 or younger. There's a lot of 25- and 26-year-old quarterbacks, and then there's some guys even younger than that uh, in the AFC right now. But the Bengals with Burrow. Lamar Jackson, despite the fact it seems like he's played for a long time, is still mid-20s in Baltimore. So... That division's got a lot of good quarterbacks, and the Steelers are going to have to go find one. Maybe maybe Russell will be available. Russell who? Russell Wilson. Oh, he's not one Russell, word. Huh? He's not a one-word quarterback. He's got to be Russell Wilson. <laughs> Garoppolo. Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy. Might be available. Yock's scrunching up his nose. He's over, Jimmy. Have fun with him. <laughs> well, you got to get somebody. I mean, like, Cincinnati's yeah, not I'm giving aware. you Joe Burrow. Yeah, <laughs> you never. They've got some bodies. That's, that's, that's not, not a problem. Away. They yeah. already have some bodies. Promote from within. Stay with your guys. That's why you've been grooming well, second and Brutolf third stringers. and uh, yeah. the Haskins, Haskins kid Wayne is Haskins, yeah. there. So they got bodies. Seattle Seahawks have fired defensive coordinator Ken Norton Jr. and defensive passing game coordinator Andre Curtis. Significant shakeup to Pete Carroll's coaching staff on the heels of the team's worst season in more than a decade. You go, then I go. Yeah, right. Uh, it's going to be you or me. Well, we might as well start with you. <laughs> me will come later. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott apologizing for his post-game comments, fans throwing things. Uh, in anger. So he tweeted, I deeply, well, he said it was sad that things were, people were throwing stuff at his teammates. And then people said, oh, no, they're not throwing your teammates, they're throwing your officials. He said, well, credit to them then, credit to them. 
So he tweeted yesterday, I deeply regret the comments I made regarding the officials after the game on Sunday. I was caught up in the emotion of a disappointing loss. My words were uncalled for and unfair. He went on, but you get the gist of it. Please don't find me. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he's got so much money, I don't know that that's going to matter. But, you know, at the same time, he's in the heat of the moment. Uh, he had some issues in college, but I think in the pros, as far as we know, it's, it's not like it's Zeke Elliott here. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Lincoln Riley finding a new USC football team in the transfer portal. Put together, I don't know, an all-star team? Or at least guys with potential to be an all-star team? Brendan Rice, son of Jerry Rice, the GOAT, has been at Colorado. They had quarterback issues. He had 21 catches for 299 yards and three TDs. He's big and he's fast. He looks the part. The potential is there. Needs a better quarterback. They're taking him, so not the only wide receiver transfer they're taking. Uh, yeah, I don't know that he's a big difference maker. Three-star prospect out of Chandler, Arizona. Oh, another kid who didn't stay home. Yep, exactly. <laughs> they're a dime a dozen. Sun Devils got one of your Aztec linemen. What? Yeah. Keep your hands off our linemen. He's, he, was a, he started every game. You got a quarterback, though. Uh, yeah, they need offensive linemen. I think they lost three of the five. I'm just talking uh, about DJ Braxton Burmeister. Needed it because the two guys they had last year both took off. Yeah. And then they, uh, the Devils got a uh, quarterback, uh, Bear Bryant's great-grandson from Alabama. Correct. He's, uh, Tyson, I think his name is. He didn't play. So he's, I, I get the guys who don't play. But, like, this, this lineman here from Center State started every game. You had success. It just doesn't make any sense to me. They tell you you got to go to a power five and prove no, yourself you against a higher level of competition. Well, that, that they beat higher level I know. of competition I know if they you did. buy into <laughs> that. <laughs> we've, we've often said that the best of the Mountain West is can compete – Whatever teams that might be, sometimes they rotate. Obviously, Boise and, and the Aztecs here recently, or whoever it might be, they can compete favorably, at least in the middle of the Pac-12. I think that is borne out many, many times over. I, I just I don't understand these guys, and I don't know his situation at all, so I can't really speak to it. I'm just speaking generally. As somebody who's playing, I get if you're not playing, but somebody who's starting every game and you had a fine season and they go 11-2 and two or something like that, uh, You'd think that you'd ride it out and be one of their better alumni, but you're going to switch. It's not like you're going to a premier program by any stretch. The Hammers got him fifth, man. He picked the Devils fifth behind Arizona. You the other day, what, you got him second? I'm thinking, you nuts? What are you smoking? I mean, at least if you're going to build them up so I can't brag. They got to be half second. good. Not second. Utah and USC are going to be picked in the top two. <laughs> Okay, you had them third. UCLA or Arizona. I did ask you, UCLA or ASU for third. Uh, I told you no but way. But the hammer worked in Tucson. You say he always downgrades the Devils just because he says fifth. He's or... syndicated now, brother. Oh, wow. I'm wow. not syndicated. Jay Drew won the award, and I, I give you my deepest condolences. I thought you handled it so classy. You were like, uh, I'm going to start calling you Hillary. You got beat. 
you, if you phone the the winner and you said congratulations, you went on social media said congratulations. You handled it so very well. You masked your bitter disappointment for not getting broadcast of the year. Absolute joke, because I thought of all the years, 2021 was your best by far. You did some phenomenal work. And most of the time, you had to do it without me. Sure, all those years, I made you look great. I got canned in March, so you had nine months without me, without your anchor. And you still came through, and you didn't win. It's a travesty. You done? And the hammer's syndicated. He is syndicated. All right. Find (laughs) your niche. Go to town. He did it. And his Twitter, he lists all places where he's syndicated. Of course, the first one he lists is KSL.com. Some of the greatest writers in the history of writing write for that (laughs) organization. Uh, Where else is he syndicated? I forgot, but uh, I saw it. uh, It showed up on my Yahoo, and then I clicked on it, and then I thought, uh, oh, I could probably find a copy of it. Uh, he would link it, and so then I went to his because I don't follow him. And, uh, All right, I you ready for there. the list? Yeah, okay. It's a bunch, isn't it? Syndicated via KSL.com, Denver Post Sports, Spokesman Sports, Seattle Times Sports, Oregon Live, Sports 360 AZ, Tucson Star, and LA Daily News. Yeah, that's most of the conference right there, right? And he's obviously he used to work the for Bay the Daily News. News. He's, got, he's in the Bay Area now, yeah. I hope he's getting paid for that. But, let, let, I mean, he's really good. But I'm telling you, he ain't writing a piece that's going to have 300,000 page views. <laughs> and I still don't win no award. 300,000 pages. You talk about setting records. Mod on. Was that a piece that I wrote? 300,000. That's like some of the great numbers. You know, you talk about 3,000 strikeouts. Uh, what? 3,000 hits. 300,000, Sniggy and Yach. Anytime I say 300,000, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you used to get a buck a page view. Now you're getting two bucks a page view after your crazy yep. negotiations. Bucks 75. Yeah, I wanted two. They wanted 150. You're going to uh, you're gonna have to go buy an island tomorrow. You're going to need a couple days my, off. My agent, Drew Rosenhaus, we settled at one seven, buck 175. Oh, I can't do that, man. We just went in between, you know. We, we came to a compromise. I'm a reasonable man. That's 525 grand. Nice! hmm Yeah. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, Mike Smith, jazz analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. He'll join us at 8.30 as the Jazz get ready for the Rockets tonight. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Unrivaled. You guys are doing a hell of a job. Here's what is great about what George Klipkoff said. I love the brutal honesty. I mean, if you can't look at a situation and assess it and, and call it what it is and say what it is, you're never going to improve. If you're constantly putting a Band-Aid on it and say, no, we're, we're in a good spot. We'll just, you know, just give us another year. Just give us, you know, it's a building year, you know, but, but man, next year things are going to be good. Next year never comes around. And when you can come out and make a very clear, very bold, very accurate and very honest statement, that's really kind of the first step to like making change. Unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 
1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res is the only carpet cleaner for a smarter, lasting clean. Zero Res's patented process uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and spot-free carpet that's safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-0. Or look online at ZeroResSaltLake.com. Or if you're up north, it's ZeroResDavisWeber.com. All right, question of the day, PK. The college football season recedes over the, over the horizon, and it is time now to look forward to next year. Yeah. Who sure. you got, people? Rank the Pac-12 South. Think about it. Spring ball for the Cougars, uh, anyway, is next month. It's not that far away. Right? So it's, it's never that far away when you think about it because it's a year-round topic, particularly in our community. One of the reasons why I love working in our community is because one of my passions is always on the forefront of folks' minds. And then they've got the signing date here in a few weeks, and the transfer portal literally never ends. I mean, you can go till a week before the start of the season, really, and, and things happen. We've seen that before where – Transfers come in way late, and you know they might end up being a kid like Dalton Kincaid. You know, I didn't know jack about Dalton Kincaid when he got there, but you know he's been a vital contributor to the team. So it go it it literally goes on forever. And then you have the the draft that these guys are prepared for, and that's a big deal because everybody and their dog wants to play in the NFL, of course. And you know how many kids you put in the NFL that that's a that's an eye popping statistic. Uh, for recruits, and we know the positions where Utah has dominated. So always, always on uh, maybe not necessarily the most front portion of the mine, if there's such a thing, but it's never that far away. The frontal lobe. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Something like that? That's the thing gets thrown out there. I don't know. I don't know where I don't know where in your brain you keep your Pac twelve South way too early preseason rankings. Stash them wherever you want, PK. Well, you know, when you're getting somebody who's eyeball deep into it, is it really that way early? Because we're talking to Wilner and he's syndicated throughout the West. He's uh, sort of become the Pac-12 version of what Andy Katz did for the Mountain West, and and Andy Katz parlayed that into a big-time national gig, making pretty good money and all that stuff, and still doing it all these years later, not for ESPN, but he's got some other stuff going on. Uh, so is it really way too early? I don't believe that that's the case. I don't think that it necessarily is way too early when you're dealing with someone who's making the predictions who is just that's a significant portion of his job. You see what I'm saying? As opposed to uh, the Bleacher Report or Yahoo or ESPN National, uh, he doesn't really necessarily know specifically the dirty details the way guys who cover the conference do. I think there's a difference there is what I'm trying to say. Well, there is. I I just think that the way too early comes not so much from how much someone knows or doesn't know. And you're right. There are people who follow it to different degrees. But there's only so much that can be known because you haven't seen all the recruits yet, right? There is still a February signing day. There still will be lots of activity in the transfer portal. And football, you know, you can 
You can fix as many positions as you want, get as many players, but you're only as good as your weakest link. And so if you've got a really good team, but you only have one corner, you can be sure every opponent is going to throw at the other corner who's the weak link. And so until you you fix have to feel covered, man, that's (laughs) great. Who wouldn't take that? You're right. But until you fix your, your weakest link, there's a limit to how good you could be. Now, if you get the late transfer who fixed your weakest link, suddenly you're a lot better. Uh, or, you're, or you're getting the depth you're going to need because you never know where the injuries are going to hit. So this has to be constantly updated because the rosters constantly change. It, it, but it's, it, it, I disagree in this situation because your, your weakest link, if it, it's like the bear. I don't have to be faster than the bear. i got to be faster, faster than, than you. you right. If my weakest link is better than your strongest link, then I'm pretty good. And and we can go. It's what January nineteenth. Well, uh, August or uh, July twenty fifth is when I don't know when they're going to have the conference media day. But I guarantee you, Utah's going to be picked to win the South. <laughs> so it's not <laughs> the rosters can change a thousand times over. But the prediction today is going to be borne out when they release it the morning of. July, whatever. That's just the way it's going to be, man. Utah's going to. This is like going in to the 2019 season. We knew that the Utes were going to be picked first, and I think they received like there. There's 36 votes, and they had 33, 34 of them. There was like two or three who didn't vote for them. Homers. They were the oh, I don't remember who they were. They never released them. I, I don't have a vote. Uh, I didn't grow up in the writing. If you grow up in the writing aspect and you, you, you have a newspaper attached to you, you're you're given inordinately great amounts more respect than if you come up through the electronic. I mean, it's just the way it is. So I didn't come up through the Pac-12 in the elect, in the print like I did in the Mountain West. I mean, I was a big boy in the Mountain West, and in the Pac-12, I'm back to being a nobody. Uh, from the conference office perspective, because I did grow up from the newspaper perspective, and they they, they just you, you can see it in the seating charts. These dot com people who are just they might as well wear cheerleading outfits. Some of them, not all of them, to, in the press box, and you can see they're sitting uh, midfield, and I'm way up back in a corner <laughs> because they don't attach a, a newspaper to me or now a website, even though. I don't know if you guys knew, but I wrote a piece last month for KSL. Like, I'm that 300,000 page views. Buck 75 a page view. Gosh, yeah, we're in negotiations. You, uh, you, you, after you just said that in the prior segment, I called Drew Rose in the house and I said, I want to renegotiate or I'm walking. And he said, Drew. Oh, he'll get on, he'll get on that. Drew so, Rosenhaus. Yeah, <laughs> he's the first agent that came to mind. I don't know who else is out there. Uh, so, it's got Boris on the line. Come on now. I thought he was just baseball. Is he? Does he do? Uh, he's does a, he do? He's a great negotiator. I think oh, yeah, we heard that, but I thought he was just strictly baseball. He does wrong baseball, on that? Yeah, that's where it seems like he's gained his fame is having guys hold out or make the maximum. He's got Carlos Correa from the Astros. Oh, did he? With him, yeah. yeah, and he's a free agent, right? Yeah. When so. he finds out you're a buck seventy-five <laughs> a page, you things are going to change. He'll call me. Oh yeah, he'll be interested. Whoa, I got to get into this. So when we get to that point in uh, July, I think the Utes are going to be the favorite, and and some of it is by default. The the division. 
you is can not argue. Good. Yeah, but you can argue that it's better. Although the hammer, man, he's got the Sun Devils fifth. Man, when we get our three victories this year, you're, I'm sorry, Sniggs, but you're going to have to allow me to uh, boast. I will. I know you don't like that. That's the weirdest take you have. I don't. But yet it's that. true. No, it really isn't. <laughs> My instinct screams, and they've never let me down, and not letting me down now. Uh, that. And fifth behind Arizona. Arizona's made tremendous progress off the field. The problem with that is you got to make some progress on the field. <laughs> <laughs> so we shall see about that. But the Utes, man, are they building a dynasty? Because you got to throw out last year, right? I think we do. So that would be freaking four in a row. Uh, Utah runs the South. Four in a row when they had normal season. seasons, yeah. traditional seasons, full seasons, probably the best way to describe it. You're right. Uh, yeah, four in a row. There's something to be said for that. How many times has that happened in the North? Uh, I think Oregon and Stanford have passed it back and forth, so I don't. Right. I don't think it's happened. Right. Yeah, I have to Washington. Check Washington jumped in there. They did. Yeah. They've had a because they got in the playoff on sixteen. Yeah. Sixteen season, I think it was. Uh, so yeah, four in a row, man. Take that, Lincoln Riley. <laughs> well, he's anointed as this new savior, you know, so naturally I'm going to go against it. Yes, he is. Uh, he's definitely. And, and honestly, that's the that's the one reason that the Utes wouldn't be picked first. No, oh, it's Lincoln Riley. It's USC. I'll vote him first. You can't pick a team that won four games last year to win the division and you lose both your quarterbacks. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right? Now, with Williams, if he ends up committing, he hasn't yet. And I mean, everybody says all signs point to it. That's a nice substitute. He may be better than both of those guys. Oregon's won three in a row. They are going for four in a row, whereas the Utes yeah. are going for four uh, or five. Now, you're counting. I'm looking the, at it now. But, right, but the, you're the counting. The short season. The short season, yes. And they didn't win the short season. They Washington won it. They finished second. So they didn't win it, so you can't count four in a row. Four straight conference title game appearances. Number one is the second place team. <laughs> they were four and three. That is such a weird year to explain. I can't wait till we're far enough away from it that we don't have to explain well, it. Well, I eliminate it. <laughs> You know, BYU, you can count it if you played a number of games, but these teams that played, in some cases, four games, and they played a game uh, after not playing for three weeks, and the team that they played played two or three games in between. Come on. Washington did two out of three, and Stanford did three out of four. So the Utes three out of four is as good as it gets, because in the South, people just passed it around it's not in the north it's not three out of four it's four in a row if they get it get out of town get out of town how come i have to get out of town and you get to leave the market your sound because better. you're you're you end beloved. up you end up in wendover either way but you're beloved well, Evanston, no, you, can go, hello. You, can to, you can go to magna i mean you, you know, i'm talking salt lake city you're beloved i'm hated there's a difference <laughs> Yours, as Locke says, you're everybody's buddy. 
Well, Locke's the one who wrote the promo that made up the lie, so there you go. It's not a lie. Everybody <laughs> thinks you're their buddy, man. Because Locke brainwashed him with a promo. No, you're a TV guy. TV guy's popularity matters a great deal. It does. You have to be loved. Otherwise, you're out. Yeah. I mean, it's Fire just the you. Way. And I don't, I don't blame you. You're supposed to root, root, root for the home team and act like you care. It's a, everybody does what they do to keep their jobs. It's like we listen to these announcers and somebody's, oh, he's such a homer or she's such a homer. Because that's what they're paid to do. <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> they're paid to cheerlead. Well, when you so, put it like that. <laughs> well, if they came on and saying, my gosh, Mitchell, that's your sought selection sucked <laughs> on that possession. What were you thinking? You're gone. Uh, How'd that be? How'd that be for the hot take yesterday? Donovan played the second half like he had a concussion, and then the news comes out. Oh, huh? Who knew? Well, yeah, I don't know to what level. I don't make light of concussions. I don't think I've ever had one. Maybe I have. I don't know. Uh, but I, I had one, and I was the last person who should have been deciding. It was clear to everyone else. So after a car wreck, and cops are like, "You want us to call you an ambulance, and or you got someone who can take you to the hospital?" No, I'm fine. Okay, well, we're going to have to tow your car, so, you know, call someone to come pick you up. And my wife comes and picks me up, and, and uh, oh, do you want to go to the hospital? No, I'm fine. Why were they all deferring to me? I was the last person who should have been making that decision. I remember it. I held a vigil. It was in you the did. early days, and I thought, am I going to lose him? You did. He's my ticket to the big time. I, I think Fox called me. Somebody called me. Yeah, I think it was Jeremy. I think Jeremy called you. Oh, Okay. Yeah, because you, I think you were at the uh, BYU Utah game uh, down in Provo, where Utah came from twenty down, or BYU came from twenty down to to beat Utah at a point when BYU wasn't beating Utah very often. And I don't remember. I left the arena immediately. You did not. And rushed to your bedside. You did not. I did too. They wouldn't let me in. Didn't have a bedside. Eventually, I'm like, I think I have a concussion. I should go to the there hospital. There were some family issues, <laughs> and I, I think you know uh, the COVID situation. They wouldn't let me in. So, the COVID situation is like 2002. I just held a vigil in the parking lot. <laughs> one dude, one candle. I needed you back. And through the grace of you-know-who, you're back. There it is. <laughs> so, my Utes, they got a dynasty going on, man. How do you say not? If Four in a row? And you've got the mighty USC Trojans in your division, and you've just treated them like they're second rate? Yeah, you second rate USC Trojans. <laughs> we'll probably be back to being first rate pretty quick. Shane says when your division is crappy and your conference is irreverent, he says. Irreverent? Yeah, I R R E V E R E N T. The Pac 12, hilariously irreverent. All the reviews. The Pac-12. Watch us tonight at 8.30 Mountain, 7.30 Pacific. Hilariously irreverent. If you're going to make fun of something, you have to have the right words. <laughs> Ideally. <laughs> uh, Obviously, he meant irrelevant. Uh, Brady, Utah's emerging, Utah's emerging as the face of the Pac-12. The face of the Pac-12, U of U football. How the crap about that? (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is by John Wilner, the hammer. Uh And in the interest of full reporting on November 25th, he did report 
if Kyle Whittingham, I'm reading this, wins the Pac-12, he will retire after the Rose Bowl. Maybe like uh, a couple years after the Rose Bowl. Well, he basically, (laughs) we don't know if he's right or wrong. It looks like he's wrong. But really, until the kickoff against Florida, he has the opportunity to be right. (laughs) Right? You'll have the tweet written. You're wrong, Wilma! (laughs) But don't press send until they kick off in the swamp. Yeah, and I don't know who's receiving or who's going to. Kyle's coming out for pregame warm-ups. Don't hit send yet. It's too early. Right, it is. It's too early. Right. Do Do you get a knock on that? Does that downgrade? I mean, he boldly said... He will. Not he might. Oh, you're showing your age. You're going old school here, PK. Back in the day. I've learned never to say that. People get to change their mind. Whatever you heard, maybe it was true at the time, but people get to change their mind. Or you just got it wrong. Somebody told you something. I don't think that he ever said he was going to retire. I don't think he ever said it either. No, I'm not talking publicly. I'm talking privately. I don't think he's... He told somebody that told, he told I'm, Chris wasn't it Chris Camerani? He told that he's got a plan, and that was three years ago, four years oh, ago. I that Chris wrote a, that. I know he's got yeah. a plan, and I'm but just, that's something that he said like to a reporter on the record. Yeah, yeah, I believe I've got the date, and but I'm going to let him decide. I mean, he, he's going to break that publicly, not me. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's... When he turned 50, he was adamant he wouldn't be doing this when he was 60. People get to change their mind. I don't remember that. I do. It was but, right I mean, to my he, face. But, right, but I know. But I'm not saying that <clears throat> you're wrong. I'm just saying I personally don't remember that uh, because that's going back 12 years. Forget about it. I can go back 30 years, but going back 12, it's kind of a hazy time. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of reasons why I don't want to remember 12 years ago. Uh, but when you report that, he will retire, and then it doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. Does that lessen your credibility? Legitimate question. Only with the people who remember that you wrote it. Well, yeah, but right now, you all, all you got to do is just... Uh, Click on it, but most people you don't. You can type in. Yeah. And it to comes his credit, right he up. hasn't deleted it or vaporized it. Well, you can't. Once it's published, it's published. Oh, okay. So you're not finding it in his archive? Because you can delete it out of your archive, but to your point, it will live on elsewhere. Well, okay, I just typed it in this morning Mm -hmm. uh, because I knew I was going to bring it up, and it came up on MSN.com. He has no control over that. Nope, he does not. I don't even know what is MSN.com. I don't even know what it is. It's. uh, I mean, I know I've looked at the website before, but I don't know what it stands for. Uh, I think it's Microsoft and NBC have a joint uh, okay uh, joint website. Okay, a partnership. But yeah, so you put something out there, you can't there you can't erase it like that. Uh, that movie, uh, Absence of Malice, when she she woke up and there was something negative in the paper about her, and it shows her running through the neighborhood in the morning picking up her neighbor's papers. 
Do you remember oh, yeah. that scene? I do remember that scene. That was heartbreaking. <laughs> that was really not good. I don't even remember what the circumstances uh, were. I, I do. I can tell you that was just not, that was not good. I just remember her it was scampering a, through it was a, lawns. It was a, hey, Paul Newman movie. All right, I'll go see a Paul Newman movie. Sure, great. It was pretty deep, wasn't it, if I remember? Yeah, it was. And, and it was good. It was It was good. It was a well-done movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that character, yeah, that character was tortured. They they made you like early on, and then you're like, ah. Wasn't it the mom in Christmas her. Story? Yes, yes, it was. That was the same. Yes, you're right. Same actor. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Jazz and the Rockets coming up tonight. We got more NBA. We got more college football on the way. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Are they a good team? Absolutely. Are they a team that's going to be a top four team in the West? Absolutely. Are they a team that I expect to win a series or two in the NBA playoffs? Absolutely. Is this a team that I have any level of expectations to challenge for an NBA title right now? No, I do not. Not to say that this team is currently constituted can't get there, but I think that if they are going to challenge for a title, then they're going to have to do something at trade deadline to find a piece or two to get them over the top. I could still see the Jazz post All-Star break. I could see this team going on a 9, 10, 12 game winning streak. I could still see this team as a Western Conference Finals team. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com DJ and PK brought to you in part by Bill Bar. Whether it's double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, or salted caramel. Enjoy Bill Bar. 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at Built.com. Save 10% off your order using the promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Built Bar. All right, we got people weighing in on multiple questions today. You really had to do this, didn't you, PK? Do what? I love that tone. Say that again. Do what? You sound like, you sound like the fourth grader who's busted. Who, me? Who, me? Is this how you talk to your mom, your dad, the nuns at school? Who, me? I never did anything wrong, so I never had to talk that way. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> never. PK, the second, the, line. the second perfect kid. <laughs> I wasn't perfect. I don't think there's. I think there's a difference between never doing anything wrong and being perfect. Doesn't mean I always did something right. <laughs> Sometimes you're just sitting under a tree doing nothing. Yeah. When the apple fell and you realized, ah, gravity. Large portion of my life has been spent daydreaming. Bad news. Our loyal, most kind friend. Man, you really had to lay it on thick, didn't you? <laughs> Bad news, our loyal, most kind friend. Who talks like that? You do. Well, now that I have to read what you wrote. Our loyal, most kind friend, David James, did not win Utah Sportscaster of the Year. Greg Rubel did. Do you share our outrage? I do. As I thought about it, you know, you've had a safety valve the last decade and a half. Well, I got bleep canned in March. <laughs> Safety valve, man. I'm Eric Kramer, just throwing flare passes to Barry Sanders. Make me look good. Give me some passing yardage. <laughs> I can't tell you the thousands of... I think I had over 300,000 people say, how come you're no longer on Channel 2? I said, I got bleep canned. And, and every one of them clicked on your last story and read it. That's awesome. 300,000, what a number. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, that is, uh, you've had to persevere. And I think you had your best year. I think you should have been the runaway leader. And you should have won going away. (laughs) And I'm shocked that you didn't get it done. Fritz says, end of a dynasty. No, 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 no. No. Tom Brady didn't win every Super Bowl. (laughs) Just when you thought he was out, he found found a way to get back in. Just seven of them. and, And won some more in the most improbable down what twenty eight to three? Mm-hmm. Uh, down the team two yards away from going in for the winning score. Picked at the goal line. No reason to hand to it go. to that awesome running back standing over there. Yeah, and so those are two improbable wins just off the top of my head. Now he had an improbable loss there with uh, Manning to Tyree catching yeah. him off the helmet, and <clears throat> so I guess that stuff evens out a little bit. Had a couple of last second field goals in the early days. Yeah, and the tuck rule uh, got him. Just to get there. To advance. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in a hotel. I'll never forget that. It's weird how you associate things with other things. Sitting in a hotel in Colorado Springs after, I can't remember, was it Utah or BYU Air Force game? Went and got some food, came back to the room, and turned on that game, NFL playoffs, and watched the tuck play. It's funny how I remember where I was. Yep. <laughs> I don't even remember what year. I'm sure you could recite the year off the top of your head. but I, I really I really couldn't. I mean, it's in that 02, 03, 04, somewhere back uh, in there, but I don't know exactly. But I remember sitting in a residence inn, and I had a little coffee table in front of me, and I was on a watchdog credit card, so I ordered up a bunch of food. That a kid. <laughs> Get the calories now while someone else is paying for them. Would you like more? Yes. Yes, and uh, brought the food, and I had it. And I had my my whole evening planned out. Like, <laughs> life's boring on the road. I mean, you it talk does, about Joe Ingles was talking about it. How bored he gets. And you know, if you're not in there. a town where you know somebody, yeah, yeah, and everything slows down real quick. So I had there was a day game, and I and I had a place I'd been there a million times, and I knew where I was going to go, and then I was going to bring the food back, and I was going to sit and turn on NFL football in the playoffs. In January, and it's exactly what happened. And that tuck thing happened while I was sitting right there, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And we're going back 15 plus years. So yeah, you'll be back. And the classy manner in which you handled this was just so awesome. That was what the best part was. Congratulate the winner right off the bat. You know, no bitterness outwardly. I know inwardly you're burning on fire. Yeah, but uh, this is the way you've handled it. And then I, uh, I was texting Jay Drew because he won it. I said, you know, I've never won it. Never won it. Never won it. I don't even think I've been nominated. I never freaking won it. And he said, uh, uh, you must not have buttered up the right people. LOL. That was <laughs> laugh out loud. <laughs> he told me that... Uh, Anastasi, when he used to be the sports editor, he had people sign up from the Tribune so they could vote for whoever the Tribune nominee was. Oh, really? (laughs) I don't. You always ask me who has the votes, and I don't know who has the votes. Well, they did. Do they still? Uh, Jay says he has no idea how it's picked these days. Yeah. And I don't either. Clowkey must know because he's the one who always is the newsbreaker. Uh so if you're listening, he can 
he can advise you as to uh, who it is. Uh, but I've never won it. I mean, you're what? It's like an eight-time winner? No, two. Two, he humbly says. <laughs> you got an Eddie Haskell-type laugh going there. I realize only three people know who Eddie Haskell is, but Who's nonetheless. Eddie, refresh me. Who is he? He was uh, on Leave it to Beaver. He was Wally's friend who was really nice in front of the parents and then uh, a total weasel as soon as they were out of the room. Oh, he's devious? Big time. Okay. <laughs> I don't recall watching the show. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, you're, you're so what? You're a five-time winner, you say? <laughs> Stop it. What'd you say? I forgot. Two. 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 What'd you do those years to win it? Why'd you think you won it those years? No idea. <laughs> In all seriousness, it's all a blur. <laughs> wow, well, yeah, when you win so many awards, of course. Even in your humility, your humility you're braggadocious. <laughs> it's all a blur. I can't remember them all. Now, all if, the I years ever, are a blur. if I ever won one, you'd know I what you did? I would know exactly. Didn't Let's see. Magic happens. No. You let down 9 million Mormons. Yeah. No. Do you really want me to go into it? No. Kevin uh, tackled a bear for 10 years and wrestled with him every day from October to March. Not, Did the, I jazz win? Bear, not no. the jazz bear people. No, I'm talking a live bear. <laughs> a white bear. <laughs> In a sweater. In a sweater, yes, exactly. <laughs> Who talks like he's Canadian. Oh, brother. <laughs> So you're my link to big time. You are a legend in this community. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. And you're you're already in the Hall of Fame. I'm not, I'm not in nobody's Hall of Fame. I'm not even in the Hall of Fame in my own house, let alone out in the community. Fritz says, end of a dynasty. Ryan says, keep him humble. Nancy says, who's Greg Rubel? And Jeff says, it should have been PK. Oh, not me, not me, no. I haven't done anything. <laughs> No. I mean, I got fired. How can he? I lost my job. How can I be doing it? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. We promised more college football. We will get to that. Got the Jazz and the Rockets tonight. Mike Smith, jazz analyst for AT&T Sportsnet, is going to join us coming up at 8.30. And next, we're going to build on the question we were just talking about, about the uh, Pac-12 South and where do the Utes rank, and the question that we can't ask now, but we will absolutely ask in 12 months, and we are looking forward to that. We'll tell you all about it next. Stay with us. DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. John Willer, San Jose Mercury News, syndicated around... The Pac-12 footprint has the Utes preseason top spot in the Pac-12 South. PK, do you realize a year from now we will have two topics in this area instead of just one? You're speaking, of course, BYU to the Big 12. BYU to the Big 12. Bonus segments created just for DJ and PK. And other sports talk shows oh, across the West. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? And Chris Hill used to talk about how uh, it was like a revitalization when they went from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. I don't feel like, and, and it wasn't like he was in a slump or just taking his job for granted. I don't think he was saying that. But the excitement level was just through the roof. I think that's the point he was making. There were sure. new challenges. Yeah. Brand new, very different challenges. 
Right, right. Big and challenges. That, and, and so to that degree, that's, energize you. that's what BYU is facing right now. There's no question. Because they feel those challenges, even though they don't have to compete on the field and in the standings yet. The last time Tom Holmo spoke about this, that I heard him speak about this publicly, he was, he was really clear about it. This is like, hey, you got to hit reset. You got to consider a lot of stuff. And what do we have to do differently? What do we have to do better? Obviously, fundraising. Chad Lewis had that hilarious line the last time we had him on the air. Oh, we had people who uh, said, well, you know, if you ever go Power 5, come back to us. It was kind of, it's kind of the Heisman, right? It's the Heisman of the development guy. <laughs> Put the hand on the forehead. Stiff arm! You're not coming anywhere near me in my wallet. And then, and then he's like, well, we're going back to him. <laughs> His yeah. timing was perfect. I, I think they're talking about it all the time. Oh, I yeah. just read uh, last night he did, he and the woman who, they used to have it where there was a woman AD and a man AD, but I think they've uh, consolidated. But the top female uh, administrator athletically, I think is a lady named Liz Darger for BYU. Liz Darger, yeah. And they did a podcast with uh, Sherry Dew. And you can listen to it, but they also, on the DNews website, they had it in the printed form. I did not listen to it. I read it, and it's extensive. And she basically is interviewing both of uh, the two administrators, uh, Ms. Darger and Tom Homo. And, you know, they're talking about it. They're, they are well aware of everything that's out there. There's just no doubt about it. And it's a gear up, and it's going to be a major challenge. Absolutely, it's going to be a major challenge. And it's going to be exciting to see how they do. You know, what level of success do they have? They're going to have success. It's not like they're going to be barren. But what level of success, I can't really say. Now, for one, you know, it's it's still uh, a season away. Mm-hmm. For basketball, it's a season and a half. But for basketball, we know it is going to it's be. It's going to be a you huge. You know what? I mean, yeah. it's going to be a buster. <laughs> but at the same time, Mark Pope is going to go to work, and he's going to be able to sell that because he sold. I can tell you, he sold that we got to do this. And what I was told is that he provided names of players that they thought they might have been able to get, but didn't get because of the West Coast Conference. Right. I mean, it's a big game Saturday night against San Francisco. San Francisco, that young coach there, he's doing a phenomenal job. He's probably not going to be there long. And he buoyed up his roster with a bunch of transfers. And they're a pretty good ball club, right? They took BYU right down to the end, had a 10-point lead, couldn't hold it basically late in the game. Well, there's 2,000 people there, right? I mean, it's an old rickety gym. I've been there. And... Meanwhile, Baylor. Yeah. I mean, that matters to kids. Clearly it matters. And so you could see why they would lose some players, particularly if you're being recruited by Big 12 teams, that the passion is incredible. So he's going to be able to get some guys, and it's going to be a major challenge. And football, too. The rest of the sports, uh, you know, I'm not as up to date, but obviously those are the premier sports. And it's going to be something that's going to be super exciting. And I guess uh, Dennis Dodd will have him on tomorrow. He had a thing out yesterday talking about the divisions that they're going to be in. I'm, lo- down. I'm looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
you can do it north south, you can do it east west. So they threw out a projection of one way that you could do it. Now they're planning seven team divisions because right now they're planning that Oklahoma and Texas stay to the end of the TV contract and the grant of rights. But they're trying to build it so that whenever Oklahoma and Texas leave, yeah, they yeah. just vaporize. It goes to six-team right. divisions. But you don't have to adjust anything because all the schools want to start building rivalries. There's so many new schools who haven't played each other, and they don't want to have to you know, hit reset in yeah, 2026. But I, I don't know when that will happen uh, in terms of more expansion, but I think there will be. I, I, I mean, I think that they went after Power 5 programs. There's no doubt in my mind that... They're, they're thinking big. And why not? Why not think big? The SEC thought big and got two big brand names. So, yeah, I get the premise to, to, to separate Oklahoma and Texas so when they leave that you, you just have keep it going. all set up. Yeah. But they might have. Wouldn't surprise me by then if they have more teams or shortly thereafter. But anyway... Yeah, what what are they in then? They uh, and so in uh, the CBS uh, Sports dot com story, the Dennis Dodd story, they went uh, north south, and they had BYU in the north with Cincinnati, Iowa State, the two Kansas schools, and the two Oklahoma schools, and then they put the five Texas schools in the South Division with UCF and West Virginia. Well, that completely and totally makes sense, geolo- or not geologically, uh, geographically. Does to me anyway. I like the geologically. That was good. Geologically. Yeah, I'm not sure of the topography. If I study the rocks, they tell me. I've been to West Virginia, but I don't think I've been to Morgantown. So I'm not sure. Uh, but you want to rock on either way. I mean, that's just the, the whole point of this. But a bang. Is you get to rock. And so that, that's the goal is to rock in, in this new conference. This is, this is going to be, it, it, to me, it's going to be more energizing than Utah to the Pac-12. That's hard to believe. Well, then let me give you my reason. That was pretty energizing. It was. But at the same time, they were in a pretty good spot, Utah was. You had TCU, BYU, right? Those were good football programs. And then you can count on maybe whether it's a CSU or San Jose State. Nah, I realize they sucked in those days. But they're usually Air Force you know, there was usually some halfway decent competition. New Mexico with Rocky Long can were, was able to rise up and bite you occasionally. You know, they handed Urban one of his two losses at Utah. And they were a tough-minded team under Rocky because freaking Rocky is a tough-minded guy. We've seen that a thousand times over. So the point I'm making is it was a decent conference. Plus, there wasn't the big divide between the Power Five and the non and the group of five. It didn't exist then. So there wasn't that stigma. You see what I'm saying? And so you got that. So Utah was, Utah was in a good spot. They were regularly sending guys to the NFL. Uh, the fans were interested. They were going pretty good. Now, obviously, the Pac-12 was better. There's no question. But they were in a good spot. BYU, you just go back two, three years, and it seemed like they were doomed to independence forever. Right? I mean, they want, Utah wanted to go to the Pac-12, obviously. But you didn't have their coach coming out, yeah, the Mrs. Mountain West isn't sustainable. We can't do this. <laughs> and the four wins, and the nobody's expanding, and what are we doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a low watermark. There's no right. doubt about it. Right. So that's what you had. And your Bronco was a highly successful coach. And he's telling you, we, we can't do this. 
And he was the guy who was winning 43 games in, in four years or whatever it was, something like that. And they were winning conference titles. So he was your boss basically running the show, and he's saying this isn't going to work. And you didn't hear Kyle saying that. They, they, they got to the Sugar Bowl. They got to the Fiesta Bowl in those years. So certainly it was workable. It was sustainable. It's better now, obviously. But BYU was in a far worse situation. So that's why I say this means more to the Cougars than what the Utes went through, even though obviously it meant a heck of a lot because they were in no man's land, speaking of BYU. Utah was not. So that's my reasoning. So I look at the uh, Big 12 Conference standings from last year and the way they're splitting up divisions, and you have Oklahoma State, who finished first but ultimately didn't win the title game. They'd be in the north. Oklahoma, Iowa State, K-State, 3-4-5, also in the north. And you got Cincinnati and BYU joining the league, and obviously Cincinnati was in the playoff. That's a so, great league. That's a great division that, as far as I'm concerned. I can argue strongly that's better than the Pac-12 South, can I? Right now, who knows in two years or five years or whatever it might be, but right now today. Kansas is seven. But then everybody else looks at everybody else and is like, well, who's six? I don't it's want a dogfight, man. I don't want it to be me. Yeah. <laughs> I can argue that those six teams could be bowl eligible. Yes, totally buy that. Because K-State's coming off an 8-5 and five year, and they would be, of the returners in the Big 12, depends on where you slot in BYU and Cincinnati, and nobody's slotting in Cincinnati as six when they were just fourth in the country. Right. So K-State or BYU would be the one pick sixth? I think they would probably default yeah. to BYU because they would be new, new that first year. Yeah. I think it's going to be what Chris Hill said, and he said it. we had him on last month as we reflected on the historic run that the Utah football program had. And I remember him telling me when they were making the transition, he said, no longer can we judge our athletic programs, and he's the boss of all of them. When, I mean, even if they don't have a lot of visibility, he still was the boss of them. And you know what they wanted him to do well, and he said we don't ha- we no longer can judge our success by conference titles. Uh, we got to look at NCAA tournaments, and he was pointing to uh, women's volleyball. You know, we could finish sixth and still go to the NCAA tournament, be right in the middle. You know, in the Mountain West, whack probably couldn't do that. But in this conference, where that's where they get the con- you know Bill Walton's uh, tagline is because they win so many titles in those other sports, and he was talking about that. So I think that with well, the point I'm making is that, and 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 Chris Hill went so far as to say. Uh, we need to take down the banners of conference titles in the Huntsman Center because we may not have many of them, and we need to replace them with NCAA tournament appearances because that's ultimately the goal, yep. right? Arizona winning the national title in basketball in a year. I think they finished fifth in the conference race in men's basketball. Well, they met their goal. Who cares if they finished fifth? And so he and I didn't know that until he said it on our show last month. You go back and listen to it, and let's put up NCAA appearances. Well, the point I'm making here for the Cougars is they could have a successful season and finish fourth, finish fifth in their own division. But yet it still could be considered, particularly in the early days as you're building this thing, successful. That North Division of Cincinnati, BYU, Iowa State, and then the two Kansas schools and the two Oklahoma schools, Kansas would be the only team in that group that wasn't bowl eligible last year. So for you to say they'll all be bowl eligible next year, not a reach. 
the the crossover, it, the Big Twelve South would be viewed as the weak sister division because it's basically the bottom half of the league. UCF would have to be looking at those schools like, yeah, put us in with those guys. Let's yeah. And, and UCF has slipped a little bit, but they, yeah. it's invariable they're going to because they were on top of the world a few years back. But, you know, I wouldn't rule them out because we're talking about BYU getting a shot in the arm going to the Big 12. Well, we certainly can argue Houston and UCF. UCF and Cincinnati right? are getting a shot in the arm. Yeah, it's it's not just going to be the, the Cougars alone. Everybody can cash as, in to one degree or another. As good as Cincinnati has been, and they have had a couple of just awesome years here, you have to assume that what Mark Pope said, Luke Fickle's saying too. We could have gotten this guy, but we weren't in the Big 12. Yeah. And, and he plus, got lots of good players, so they wouldn't no have doubt. pulled off what they've done. But yeah. nonetheless, there has to be somebody who got away when he's thinking, if we'd been in the Big 12, we would have gotten that player. And I also think for the existing members, the conference now becomes stabilized. We're, so maybe they get a boost out of it. Tw- right. Twice in the last however many years, the conference looked yeah. like it was in jeopardy. Well, by bringing these programs in, I think it totally stabilizes. The, you never know what's going to happen. I can't predict any of that stuff, right? It's, it could be crazy again. But for the time being, you would think in at least this recruiting cycle, they can go out and sell. We have a stable conference. We're, we're going to get you in front of uh, fans that care. Look, in the South, you know, every year you're going to go to Provo, there are going to be 64,000 people there. Game's going to be on national television. It just is, right? And, and, and go, depending if you're in the, the heartland of the conference, go West. We'll pack any draws out there, but, you know, obviously they've got a pretty good program there. You never know. Fickle could leave and it could fall apart. Uh, who's to say? You, you, just, you just don't know. I mean, we just used the example of BYU going back four years when they were 4-9 and, and looking like, oh, my gosh, they are just drifting, and this is a bad state to be in. And here they are now uh, with double-digit wins the last two seasons and preparing to go into the Big 12. Things can change quickly. They can. Uh, and I don't want to say Cincinnati can't hold on to their coach since – Notre Dame and Oklahoma just lost, had their coaches poached by other schools. So certainly, you know, that could happen to Cincinnati. But however good his job was two years ago or a year ago when he was passing on offers, it's a better job now that he's in the Big 12. And nonetheless, the next LSU or USC could come calling and he could be gone. But it seems like the list of schools well, could be I gone to is shorter now. Ryan, Ryan Day goes to the NFL. Yep. If he gets the Ohio State job, he's going. <laughs> there it is. We're all going. Uh, all right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So the Utes, the early pick to win the Pac-12 South. The Cougars, one year away from seeing where they slot in the Big 12 North, if that is indeed how they break it down. Dennis Dodd, National College Football Writer for CBSSports.com, had that story. We'll have him on the show tomorrow morning. DJ and PK, we got Mike Smith, Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Coming up next, we'll talk to him about Donovan Mitchell, concussion protocol, out for tonight's game against the Rockets. The Jazz have lost six of the last nine, five of the last six, coming off that loss to the Lakers. They need a win to turn things around. And we will talk to Mike Smith about that next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. 
Are they a good team? Absolutely. Are they a team that's going to be a top four team in the West? Absolutely. Are they a team that I expect to win a series or two in the NBA playoffs? Absolutely. Is this a team that I have any level of expectations to challenge for an NBA title right now? No, I do not. Not to say that this team is currently constituted can't get there, but I think that if they are going to challenge for a title, then they're going to have to do something at trade deadline to find a piece or two to get them over the top. I could still see the Jazz post All-Star break. I could see this team going on a 9, 10, 12 game winning streak. I could still see this team as a Western Conference Finals team. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Mike Smith joins us again, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. See him on the pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. Yak feverishly pushes buttons. How are you? Uh, it'd be better if the real Mike Smith was here, not you doing your Mike Smith impersonation. Was this to tell the truth? Will the real yes, Mike will Smith. the real Mike Smith <laughs> please stand up? Come on the line. <laughs> Would that work anymore? It's such a social media and websites. Everybody's uh, photo is out there. You don't have anonymous faces the way you used to. Well, I think it'd have to be three of them would have to be anonymous. Right. I think to tell the truth is aged out. It's not happening. Well, they don't. They don't have any of those shows anymore. No. The password is. Password could be brought back. I think it should be brought back. Good show. Uh, it's basically, it's like Wheel of Fortune and uh, Price is Right, right? Jeopardy. Anything? Jeopardy, there you go, Jeopardy. Yeah, but that's where we sit with game shows. Oh, yeah. Family Feud is still out there. The Let's feud. play The Feud! It's hilarious to see the old ones now. They have this old-fashioned family feud, you know, like there's a family feud from the 1800s or something, and now everything's bright lights and neon, man. The the look of the game has totally changed differently. It's just unbelievable. My mother, all through my life, she was, uh, two of them were staples. The Price is Right, and it come on at 9 o'clock in the morning in Arizona, and... It was a ritual, and she'd be swearing at the people. You dumb bleep, you overbid. <laughs> no way that washing machine costs that much. <laughs> it was that one and Wheel of Fortune, <laughs> which if you walk through Vegas casinos, they have those things blasting out too. So I've got that Wheel of Fortune just ringing in my ears at all times, uh, especially when I'm in a Vegas casino walking through. I can't believe that they haven't licensed some version of Sports Shepherd at ESPN. They got a thousand daytime shows, and a lot of them look alike. Yeah, but I mean, it's not a. It, everything is opinion. You got to have an opinion now. Yeah, but do you really need that many opinion shows? You couldn't do it with one less opinion show. I and maybe not. Could, and but maybe they not. don't. No, oh, well, uh, granted, they don't. <laughs> All right, let's hit again. We're going to hit the reset button. You ready, PK? Yes. Yeah, I can use some sound effect. Okay, whatever. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 Zone. It's time to bring in Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Not sure if you guys can hear me, but I could hear you fine. I don't know what happened. <laughs> we can hear you. 
It's Good. all it's all set now. It's like we just had to hit reset the way the Jazz have to hit reset. Oh, nice. Thank you. <laughs> and I don't think any of this specifically tells the truth. You can say a team's lost five of six or six of nine, but they were missing Rudy for some of those. And then you can say Oh, they're not going to have Donovan, but Houston and Detroit aren't any good, and they ought to be able to win when they're shorthanded. Of course, they just didn't beat Detroit when they're shorthanded. So a lot of it, it isn't so much, and PK loves this, the numbers don't really tell the story. It's more the feeling. And right now it doesn't feel good. And it's deeper than that. How much does that really pull on a locker room? And how much can a locker room just let all that stuff go and just play the game that's in front of them? That's a great question. Uh, depends on the locker room, right? Um, I played on Celtic teams that nothing seemed to phase them, right? Of course, they'd won three championships in the 80s. And so when I joined them in 89, we went through a little lull and started two and six. And, you know, the coach was a brand new head coach, Jimmy Rogers. He, he called a team meeting after we lost in Detroit. Bird had eight points in the game. It snapped some crazy 700-game streak where he'd scored double figures or more. And, and you know, we weren't going to practice that day because it was a travel day, but he brought us all in, and, and we signed about 1,000 basketballs in this little room. And, you know, Coach this then addressed the team, and it was really odd. I mean, it's, granted, it's like my first two, three weeks in the NBA. And here's this coach who says – you know, some words to the team, which took about five minutes. And then he says, he, he looks at Larry Bird and he says, and, and, oh, and I should tell you this, Larry, after the Detroit game had called himself a point forward because some reporter had asked him, you know, what, what's up? You only scored eight points first time in, you know, 750 games. And Larry said, oh, I'm just a point forward at this stage of my career. I don't get shots. I don't. So he kind of went off a little bit, got his message out there. And so coach, like in front of the whole team, just looks right at Larry and said, you know, doggone it, Larry, you got something to say. You say it to me and you, you address the team. You don't take it to the media first. And then he continued and he went on and, you know, whatever else he had to say. It wasn't long. Granted, we'd been there for an hour. We'd signed a thousand balls. We were then just going to go at our leisure or optional shooting practice and leave. They called it a travel day back in the day. And we wouldn't even have come in, right? We had just flown in that morning. <laughs> so Coach then says, uh, before you guys go do what you got to get uh, you know, done, training or rehab or therapy, anybody have anything to say? <laughs> DJ and PK, Larry, stands up. He looks right at the head coach. <laughs> and he says, I-, I can't even use the language on radio, but you MFers <laughs> right at the coaches <laughs> – listen and pay way too much attention to what the media thinks and says. He says, all we need to do is play better defense. Now, I suggest we go practice. (laughs) We weren't supposed to practice. We went and practiced for two hours. It was like my first indication who was running that show and who was running that team. So I guess it depends on your locker room. Like, is your is your best player your strongest personality? Is your best player the one who can motivate others and get them to step up? And I, I think the numbers guys do tell a story, and that's 
even though they've lost, like you guys said, five of six, six of nine, and there have been extenuating circumstances, but they still have the seventh best home record. And there's been some debacles at home, games they should have never lost. They still have the fourth best road record. And if you take road wins versus home losses, which kind of balances out who's played the most at home and who's most on road, only Phoenix, Golden State, and Miami are ahead of the Jazz in that category. So... I'm not hitting any panic button, but I know the visuals and I know the eye test of late say, whoa, something's wrong. You obviously played with some strong, strong leadership. I mean, legendary, all time. A hundred years from now, they'll be talking about Bird and and the other guys that he had on his cast. And so you saw it firsthand. The Jazz are an interesting situation because they've got some veterans and... You know, Mike Conley, he seems outwardly, he's very uh, insightful when he speaks, but I don't know how much of a strong presence he is. And then you got foreign guys, and you wonder, can those guys really do it? And then you got the younger guy in Mitchell, and it seems like Mitchell, he's so willing to put himself out there on all sorts of issues. It's obviously not just even by any stretch of the imagination, really reduced or limited to basketball. We've seen that a million times over with him, and more power to him as far as I'm concerned. But I'm wondering if they have that guy says, listen, this thing isn't going to get away from us here. we got a really good team, and we got a shot, and we need to do A, B, C. Do they have that guy who can stand up and augment what Quinn Snyder and his staff are trying to get done? The best, the best answer to that is, I guess you don't know. Sorry for the garage opening. Too loud in the background. But Donovan is your best leader. No question about it. Right? Like, he's, he's really good. And he's becoming a fantastic player, not just a really good young player. At 25, the things he's doing now are are remarkable. His shot is improving. The range is improving. Uh, his ability to get a shot going forward, like downhill and facing a guy, is so much better than it was even a year ago or two years ago when he relied on spins and euros and these leaning layups, which he was great at. But I, I just watch his game being refined. And then his assist is, is playmaking. You go back 24 games right now, he's averaging almost five and a half assists. Do you know how many guys in the history of the game averaged 30 and six in a season? Like, very few. It's a handful. LeBron's only done it twice. Jerry West twice. Oscar did it a bunch. But Harden's done it, of course, when he had the ball in his hands every single play and shot it every single time. Westbrook's done it once. Rick Barry once. But Kobe never did it. KD's never done it. Steph's done it once. Um, I mean, that's where Donovan's headed, in my opinion. He's going to have a 30-point season with a six-assist season. That's like otherworldly stuff. So he's your guy, and he is the strongest personality. It seems like, to me, Mike is your second-best leader because he's so full of integrity. But I think you're right a little bit. He's more reserved. He's more quiet. He doesn't show it, you know, with big demonstrations, and he's quiet and thoughtful and a thinker. So off the court, you know, he's reflective, which is good. You want that guy. 
if you have the other guy who steps up, stands out, and speaks. We had two alphas in Boston. Like McHale and Bird were both always the loudest. Loudest in the locker room and loudest on the court and loudest in the timeouts. Um, that was good for us because we had a bunch of big personality. And I think Rudy's your next best leader. The other guys aren't, and Bogey never will be, but that's okay. You don't need him to be. You need him to shoot and score. And by the way, the reason they lose to the Lakers is Bogey, Donovan, uh, Rudy Gay, and Bogey go one for 26 (laughs) from three. Like, it was an anomaly game to me. It was a fatigue game, a schedule loss, if you will. I never never thought they were going to win that game just by the nature of the travel and the back-to-back nature of it. I just thought, no. The Lakers sitting there waiting for him, coming off a huge loss. I, I just didn't think they would. Now they had a chance. So, PK, you know, we don't know yet, right? But those in my ranking of three, Donovan, Mike, Rudy, are your three biggest. It's hard to do it in another language. I've done that. I've been the loudest personality in the five years I played in Europe on an Italian team and four years on Spanish teams. And I was fluent in Spanish and close to fluent in Italian. And it's hard to do it in your second language to really show what's inside you because your mind's constantly thinking of how do I express myself. And thus, sometimes your true personality doesn't come out. But anyway, I hope that, hope that answers that. Mike Smith joining us to see him on the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows. The trade deadline is coming up, and there's lots of rumors out there, and most of them probably won't happen. The name that's caught my attention, Jeremy Grant, Detroit. I'm not convinced if I'm the Pistons, I'd trade him. They're going to have cap room. they got Cunningham. Whether it's a free agent signing or whether it's a lopsided money trade and they take on a lot of salary, it seems like they got a chance to see where this can go going forward. But let's assume they are going to trade him. I think he could have a big impact on whoever he went to, obviously depending on which team and what they had to give up. Am I overestimating the impact he could have on a Western Conference playoff race if he showed up here? Is there somebody else you're looking at? Is should he be target number one for a team trying to make a major move? What do you think? It's a good thought. Um, yeah, I'm sure Detroit, you know, is total in total rebuild mode. So they'd probably be willing to give him up for draft picks or some young talent. And yes, he would help a squad. No question about it. Uh, I didn't think he was the guy, right? Like when he came out of, is it Syracuse early on? I just. You know, I know his fathers, um, his father and his brother. They're my era, right? Harvey and Horace were tremendous players. Uh, I'm I'm impressed with what. Mike, you there? We lost you. All right, well, we lost him. Yaka work on getting him back. That's I'm impressed. Technically a jinxed interview right there. <laughs> that did not. The technology, well, technology bit the front end and the back end of that interview. We, we haven't had that very often, so I, I think that was, that was a scheduled uh, glitch. You guys there still? Yeah, now we got you. All right. We just lost you mid-word there. You were talking about him coming out of college, and you didn't think he was a guy. He was was a second-round draft pick, so you're not alone. I mean, 
obviously teams like the potential, but he lasted to pick 39. Yeah, and he's impressed. Like, he's, he's surprised and overwhelmed me, and I thought he was going to be a 12-point guy and last for 10, 11 years and be an okay player. He's, he's done really well, especially with the opportunity. So uh, I guess the point I was making when I went away is that I think he'll help whatever team. And if he becomes your third or fourth best player on a team, that's a good, that's a good get. And I also said Detroit, I think, would be willing, since they're in complete rebuild mode, to move him for young talent, for picks, for all those things. I don't know if the Jazz have enough to make a move like that. And I don't know if you're the Jazz, you want to break up something that's, you know, technically working and has the chance to work. And do you, do you blow up chemistry and for that? Because they do have a good locker room. they got guys that fit. But, hey, Danny and Justin and Ryan, I think they got one goal. <laughs> and that's win a championship. So uh, I, they will not hold back if they think a move is going to work. I know that about... Danny, I don't know if it was on this show or another show that I was on maybe a week ago. Somebody asked me about the personality of Danny. I said, listen, he is not, he's not Ben Hogan. He's not a U.S. Open golfer. And maybe this analogy doesn't apply to anyone but P.K., who does understand the inner workings of golf. But P.K., I'm a, I'm a fairway and green U.S. Open type player. Give me my 15 pars and three birdies. I'm happy. Danny goes for broke on every hole. <laughs> And so when I play him, and we play a lot, and it's super fun, he always orchestrates this game, you know, like uh, bogey or less, right? Because he, he's going for every five. He's trying to drive every green. He just he goes for things. It's his personality. And it, he's, you know, on the basketball court, he's that guy. And I'm the other guy, right? And I grind and beat his butt most often but in this role he's perfect because he's not afraid he's earned his stripes and if there's a deal to make happen he won't be afraid to make it go yeah that's what you basically just answered the question that i was going to ask because i know you know him well and you've known him well for many many years probably as well as anybody in the organization really and and now you're you know you're not a decision maker but you are part of the organization now uh as far as that goes uh, and I, I can buy it. You know, I've been around him a little, not nearly as much as you, obviously. And then, obviously, we've all followed him from a distance for many years, and we know he's going to fight, scratch, and claw, literally, to get what he wants. We've seen it in his playing days. There's just yeah. no doubt about that. I'm wondering uh, what you think of how that's going to mesh with Justin Zanuck and Ryan Smith. Well, um, I know Ryan, second best of that bunch, and I don't know Ryan the executive or the businessman as much as I know Ryan the golfer and the friend. And so uh, I, he's a competitive guy too. And so I, I've been on buses with these guys, and you know, on a BYU golf trip, and playing nine rounds in twelve days, and sitting on the front of the bus and just talking our tails off about sports and basketball and, you know, life. And so, uh, obviously, I know Danny the best. I know Justin the least. And that's just because in the last three years with 
COVID and this garbage, you know, we, meaning the broadcasters, haven't really been able to have the access that we used to have where you're down on the floor and you can have those casual conversations and get to know people. And so that's been limiting in our role, and hopefully that will change. But, I mean, I know Danny from – it's funny. People would say, uh, well, you guys go back to BYU together. We we really don't, right? Danny's six years older, and so he's the great player that I grew up watching. And, you know, he and Devin Durant are the two that inspired me to go to BYU and kind of continue that basketball tradition. And – so I, I don't really know Danny from those days. And then if you think about it, I don't know him in my playing days because the year I, before I get drafted by Boston, he's traded to Sacramento. And he only plays half a year there, and then he goes to Phoenix and Portland. So now I know him as an opponent. And sure, there's a bond because we both played at BYU, and he knew all my Celtic teammates. So he's in our locker room after the games. But still... I don't get to know him, right? Like, we haven't had time together. But when he starts broadcasting for TNT, and I'm now finished playing and broadcasting Clipper games, I just called him out of the blue and said, I'm coming to Phoenix. Clippers are playing the Suns. Do you want to go tee it up? We'd never golf together. We'd never spend any time together. And it was like an immediate, not just bond friendship, but competition at the highest level. Like, he'd been scratch golfer since he was 16. I was recently a scratch golfer, and, like, we just went at it. But the banter and the fun and the, the I'm just going to say the high-level discussion of either the intricacies of golf and the subtleties of that game, but also it evolved into everything to do with sports, you know, basketball, strategy. I mean, we've had discussions to the nth degree about why doesn't basketball hire a, an offensive coordinator like football? And why doesn't basketball have a guy sit up in the stands who's on a headset and, you know, can communicate with the bench? And, you know, why don't we do this? And, and, and so, I mean, we've had those talks for the last 20 years in every way. So personnel and so the guy's a winner and the Jazz are lucky to have him. And I think great things are in store. I mean, I think you've got the foundation of a, a young, great team. And for anybody who's like, thinks you can make an easy move in the NBA and get another great guy, it's really hard. And like, I, I would even ask the two of you, Donovan is so good. I, I almost dare you both to find me someone you would trade Donovan for. I'll give you anyone in the NBA. Who would you trade him for? anyone right now like okay. just throw a couple just throw a couple names uh, Booker, I, I, every name I wanted to throw out there I dismissed because they're too old and they're starting to break down I wanted to go to Durant I'm like I can't throw Durant Giannis. out there when he just got injured no, again you're right you can't go for yeah. another one uh, the Joker Giannis the last two okay. MVPs okay so those are both maybes like, like those are both to be considered but those are almost the only two uh, I've heard people tell me John Morant, and I'd be like, nope, I won't do it. Can't shoot. Would you do Booker? Because I know a lot of people would say Booker. Yeah, but you've got to have the perfect point guard mm-hmm. to make Booker great. right? You've got to have a Chris Paul. You've got to have that kind of you know, A-type leader who just can dominate the ball and get him the ball in the perfect spot. And Booker's great. 
don't get me wrong, he just went for 48. He went for 30 the game before. He, he shoots at a different level and he plays in the mid-range. But again, ask me that question like, Mike, would you trade, and I'm the GM, Booker for Donovan straight up? I probably say no. Like, I, I just, I think Donovan has more. And that's yeah. crazy, right? That's, that's how good it, he is. You, so really, only Joker and Giannis are your two choices. But if you already have Rudy, you don't need Joker. And they're not going to mesh together. And so does Giannis play with Rudy? And it's probably not. That's how good the foundation of this team is right now. So it's more about can we find little pieces that make us better? Can we make a tweak here? Can we find, you know, everyone says, let's go get a wing defender. It's easier said than done. Luka Doncic. That's a good one. Another great question. And, you know, probably the best young talent in the league, considering he's 21. <laughs> so four years younger. But again, until Luka gets me to the conference finals, I'm going to say no. Right? Like, I don't know that they can get there the way he handles the ball so much. But he's incredible. He's incredible. And give Dallas credit right now because I think they've won 9 of 10. 8 of 9 or 9 of 10. And I kind of was counting them out like these guys are not going to win. And Jason Kidd's got them playing some good ball right now. Mike, we'll leave it right there. We appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you on the game tonight. Jazz and Rock at 7 o'clock. You'll be on the pregame show with Alema at 6.30. Okay, PK, give me an idea. When does the weather get to be golf weather? Since I haven't lived here before. Uh, it depends on where you live, man. If you want to go south, you can uh, get it almost any time. Uh, That's true, huh? <laughs> you're going to have to wait till mid-March. Or oh, maybe, no. Maybe you just have a couple of days and you get on a plane and you go to Palm Springs. There you go. All-star break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Have a great one. All right. Thank you very much. Mike Smith joining us. Jazz broadcasting right there on 97.5 at 1280. The Sniggy, when we come back, I'll give you the one reason why he would never trade Booker for Mitchell. That's next. Stay with us. Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. I just believe it can't be status quo for Utah. Because if it's status quo, USC, Oregon are gonna go, they're gonna blow by Utah in the next couple of years. Utah's gotta get bolt. They gotta get creative. They gotta get outside the box. They gotta get some big time recruits, bigger than what they've been getting. It's unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keering. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. It's a win tickets Wednesday right now. We got a four-pack of tickets to see the Utah Grizzlies. Caller 12 right now wins the family four-pack to see the Grizzlies and the Allen Americans. January 21st at the Maverick Center. And that is Friday night. 855-340-ZONE right now. 855-340-ZONE. All right, PK, what do you got? Well, you never trade Booker for Mitchell because Booker has a very good opportunity to have a Kardashian as a mother-in-law. You don't want that. <laughs> Stay in the Kardashian-free zone. Too Come much on. drama. Come on. Bum, 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 bum. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Make sure you join us tomorrow. Dennis Dodd, National College Football Writer for CBSSports.com. He's got a story out on the Big 12, going to divisions, where they're headed. You'll hear from him tomorrow right here on The Zone Sports Network.
Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 of the next Utah Jazz game. There are free Papa Shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. We've talked a lot of football this morning. John Wilner, writing in the Bay Area for years, now syndicated all over the Pac-12. Has the Utes in the top spot in the South, winning the division again for the fourth time in five years in the fourth consecutive full season, throwing out the season where they played five games and had to play a conference opener with no non-conference games after an opponent had played twice. It was a, well, the best thing you can say about it is it was a funky year. You can say a lot of stuff that's worse about it. So you throw that one out, it would be four in a row. Who runs the South? How quickly can Lincoln Riley go into the transfer portal and pull together a USC football team that can beat the Utes? Because that seems to be what most people are looking at right now. Yeah, I think you have to give Lincoln Riley some time. I've said it with everybody. Why wouldn't I say it with him? I mean, I realize he's from Oklahoma, and he's got a Heisman Trophy factory and quarterbacks left and right and all that stuff. and. And Williams may look like he's going to transfer over, and he was sensational as a first-year freshman and all that. But still, I don't think it's fair to judge Lincoln Riley's first season on South Division or bust. That seems too high of a standard for me. Maybe he does get it going. I mean, even Klyovkov, when he had him on last week, you know, that's the thing that everyone's pointing to. Well, as we talked with the commissioner He's been so open about we've got to keep these local kids. And he started reciting Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. (laughs) Every one of those first game starting quarterbacks were uh, from the Pac-12. Pac-12 footprint, yep. Yeah. And so we asked him, you know, what is going to change there? You can talk about it all you want, but it's got to change. And he was talking about, well, there's two ways. Uh, you can take shortcuts or you can do it through investments, right? And then he said that we don't do shortcuts. Well, I'm not opposed to shortcuts if they work. But nevertheless, you know, if you want the long-term sustainability like Alabama every freaking year. You know, you just pencil, put them in a pen. You don't even have to pencil it. And he's talking about investments in facilities. And we've seen Oregon State and Oregon and people doing what they're going to do to make sure everything's up to snuff. And then he's talking about investments in the coaches because he's been big on investing. Return on investment. If you invest in football, you will get the return on the investment, right? He's been talking about that. That's one of his talking points that he's been hitting home. Uh, And I get that because why not? You can't change the TV contract for 30 months. So why scream and yell about that, right? I mean, that's still almost three years away before you can do anything about that. Well, the other stuff, you can do something now. And his big thing that he's sort of putting all his eggs in the basket, cliche, is the coaches. And Lincoln Riley is the crown jewel of the coaching hires, right? So, man, for Klyovkov's sake and for the conference's sake, Lincoln Riley better hit a home run. I mean, it and it's got to not just clear the fence, right? It's got to be out of. It's got to be in the parking lot, out of Dodger Stadium. Join Tatiste and Willie Stargell as the only ones to hit it out. I mean, he's got to do that. Lincoln Riley just can't be good. He's got to be great. If he in doesn't order for this win, conference to get where it wants to go, if he doesn't win the conference and go to the playoff like he did at Oklahoma, how do you explain that away? It's a failure. <laughs> well, yes, 
But but why is it a failure? Did he forget football, or they're just built-in things the Pac-12 and USC don't have that Oklahoma and the Big 12 do have? Yes. And I'm, I'm a little hesitant to go to the facilities thing. Over half the league has redone their stadium since the Utes joined the league. Whether it's a significant... Um, partial rebuild like the Utes, right? They did the south end zone. Okay, ASU has redone theirs. USC has done a massive luxury suite thing on the west side of the Coliseum. Yeah, I don't think it's the football stadium, though. I think it's about the facilities that the kids use every day. So it's more the football center, which the Utes yeah. built a new one, and yeah, Oklahoma has built a new one. Or and Oklahoma, the practice Oregon. site, all yeah. that stuff. Uh, you, you, that's where they are day after day, year round. The the football facility, the football stadium is the, you know game some day. practices and day, yeah. obviously game day and, you, and it has to be that's more nice for the fans and that's where you make your money with the luxury suites and all and they did a great job with the Garth South End Zone blah 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 it's spectacular uh, speaking of the Utes they got all that it's the other stuff that they've they've got to get and just the overall investment in the program who was it Yox somebody put out. Uh, I saw on some social media listing all the analysts and advisors mm-hmm. uh, for Alabama versus BYU. That and, would, oh, it was actually Georgia. That would be Georgia. Yeah. So yeah. it was Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider. Okay. Well, I mean, it was a great job there. Just it, it spoke for itself. You didn't even really need the list. Any, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got over here on the left. You got 50 people, basically. I mean, that's what it's about. And, that, and that's where they have to go. That's where Klyovkov is talking about the investments. You've got to have the stadium, too. But it's, it's way more than that. And that's where you need to be up to snuff. And are they going to do it? Are they going to put in the emphasis that is basically to the point of win at all costs? And everything needs to be pointed out. Now, Klyovkov is talking a really good game. And he hit that from his very first press conference. I think we all listened to it. I know I did. I was at the gym, and they had it on Zoom, and I tuned into it, and I listened the entire time. And football is the highest priority. That, that's clearly what he was hired to do. So he's going to hit that home. We talk about how local announcers are homers, because that's what they're hired to do, right? And so I'm not going to criticize them for that. That's how they keep their job. Well, that's how George got the job, is clearly he had innovative ideas for football and we've already seen with this all-star panel that they've created i don't know what they're going to be able to do and maybe it's just one small step for the pac-12 one giant step for college football remains to be seen but that's just a first example right and go and he was talking about how they want more say in the tv when they have premier games, so they get more of a say on when the game should be broadcast, right? Because they've got to get into the East. And he brought up how David Shaw spoke of guys not winning the Heisman because of their time zone games. And I can tell you that's literally why McCaffrey did not win. And I don't Larry Scott would have never acknowledged it. He wouldn't he, there's no way he would have acknowledged it. And here you've got Klyovkov talking about it. They're gonna get there. So for Lincoln Riley winning it all and getting in the playoff, I think you gotta give him legitimately three years before you can really start judging him on that level. It's interesting how everything speeds up. Five-year plans turn into four, turn into three. Now we're seeing coaches run after two years in the pros. 
I don't think we've seen a lot of guys run after two years in the colleges. Todd Graham. Yeah. But there's got to be extenuating issues. Right. Now, when I say three years, that doesn't mean uh, the Chip Kelly snail's pace thing. <laughs> and in four years, you get uh, eight wins, and that's your high watermark. No, I'm not talking about that. Same thing with Herm Edwards. You know, he's going into his fifth year. The, that, the one year is a little bit askew. But this would be, so then his fourth full year, I guess. And, and you know, your, your high watermark is, watermark is eight wins. That's not good enough for what you were hired and what your AD said. I mean, let's call it like it is. You haven't bottomed out by any stretch, but eight wins, that you should be able to roll that out on a fairly consistent basis. So I think for Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Riley, it, how many times are we going to call him Lincoln Kennedy? But it's Lincoln Riley. Uh, it's, you know, nine, ten wins. And then by year three, all right, we've got the, especially when the TV contract gets more amenable to success, then at that point, it's on. And it's going to be really interesting to see how he can do. Because he's coming in now, and there's only one comparison, and that's Pete Carroll. That's it. Right? Everything else is too long ago. Well, Nobody else had enough success. I'm thinking between Pete and now. Yeah. You, if you want to go back, but you don't have to go back. You can go back to Pete. You don't have to go back to Robinson and McKay. You, you can just go, boom, Pete Carroll. Look what Pete Carroll did. And Pete Carroll did not have the resume that Lincoln Riley has. No, he didn't. Coming into the gig, right? Now he goes out of it, sensational, but coming into it, no. So you're coming into it. You, and there's, there's some big off, uh, off-season hires, obviously. Kelly to LSU is huge. But none is bigger than Oklahoma to SC with Lincoln Riley. A young guy, still in his 30s, right? He's like 38 years old. and have to double-check that. So he's this exciting, innovative, Heisman-producing quarterback factory. And that's what you're expected here. And, it's, and I, if I'm Klyovkov, I am pumping that because that's, that's one of the trump cards that I have. Right? So pump it. I can't really pump up uh, Washington. Who knows? That guy may be awesome, yeah. but he doesn't have the name recognition yet. You know, Fish is doing great stuff off the field. I believe it's uh, down in Arizona. I believe it's going to translate on the field. I, I've say, I told you that weeks ago. I don't know if I said it on the air or we were just no, you were on the air. You were on the air. Yeah, Fish I'm is trending the right direction. You're hearing folks good things down there. Yeah, in I the am. transfer portal, he's gotten some good players. Yeah. Uh, getting Jaden Delara out of uh, Washington State. Huge plus. That's got to help him. Especially, you're getting a starting quarterback. You're not getting a kid who wasn't playing. Right. You're getting a starting quarterback. Available and, because uh, new coaching staff in Washington State was bringing in their guy, the OC coach that kids From Incarnate in. Word, no less. I know. That's, not exactly a football power. I, I know. Everyone's, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> that better pay off. So a couple things as you went, uh, you went, you got on a roll there. I think Klyovkov, we're going to hear from him again. Investment shortcuts, and he's waiting. He's not saying it yet because there's no reason to get out, crawl out on the limb. But he's poised 
to double down on that if ASU or UCLA has a 10-win season. See, they built, they stuck with this guy, they didn't have the big splash year two, but look what they're doing year five. And if either ASU or UCLA gets to 10 wins, they're going to be ranked and it's going to be a big story. It's going to be something that the national media can sink their teeth into. The Hammers got the Devils fifth. What the hell are you talking about, a 10-win team? (laughs) Klyavkov isn't going to say that. I'm telling you, if they do it. But they got no chance of doing it. The Hammer, the foremost authority, he's syndicated. He's got him fifth. I wouldn't bet on it either. But if they do it, Klyavkov will be right there talking about investment. I'm not saying they're they're doing it. They're not even going to beat Arizona. (laughs) You got your guys at three and nine. You're a fan cushioning the blow. I don't. How about the hammer USC? does? How about USC making a splash just because the schedule lightens up? Rice, Fresno State, and Notre Dame. Uh, Fresno's got a new coach, so we'll have to see. But that's not the toughest schedule USC has taken on. Uh, yeah. Well, what, what do they usually go? What did they go last year in the non-conference? Uh, lost to Notre Dame later on. I mean, but Notre Dame is always later on. Their season basically is determined by the time they get to Notre Dame, particularly when they play them in L.A. because it's the last game of the season. Well, certainly it was uh, this year because they'd already fired their coach by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they were gone in week two. So, uh, right, Stanford, they play. Yeah. They they've set it up now. That's become a tradition. They play Stanford in week two because Stanford and, and the Trojans both play Notre Dame. So they move it up a week, which which is fun. Get the, I love the conference games. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, though. I, I, I think Notre Dame is always going to be tough, right? I mean, they're, they're a solid football program, and beating Notre Dame these days is, is going to be difficult, the way I look at it, right? They lost two games last year, right? So... I don't see where it's that big of a difference. Uh, maybe they don't play an, a, another big-time non-conference opponent, and they should go 2-0 and against Fresno and Rice, but you're always expecting that. Uh, it, it, you know what, what are they going to do in the conference? I, I, I'm, not expecting them, I'm not expecting him to walk on water this year. But you know, I'm also not ruling it out because... I view it in a little bit of the Bronco Mendenhall when he took over. Clearly, the program had more talent than a four-win season. Yes. Right? But they were just running in every which direction. And they let that Clay Helton thing play out far too long. Yes. You know, and it dragged, it dragged everything down. Right. The, the whole, just the whole situation. Yeah. Beyond what Clay could control. Right. Every every loss was a soap opera. Yeah. We were in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and they lose two years ago to BYU. And that was one of the very first questions. And Clay, they asked him about it and about the noise it's going to create. And he said, we're, I'm coaching a football program in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, California. Every day there's an inordinate amount of noise. And I burst out laughing when he said that. <laughs> and it was almost like an awkward... Yeah. That that one dude used to work at KFAN. He was way too loud for the room. Yes. <laughs> I can't think of his name. I drove back Napoleon. to Napoleon. No, no, not him. No, it was before them. It was before your time. Oh, uh, I know who you're and, talking about And now. he was just a loud guy in a, in a closed quarters. Well, I burst out laughing and uh, because he was right. 
And that's what they had. And then last year at Pac-12 Media Day, because we didn't have it the year before with the COVID thing, I asked him, I said, you remember making that statement? And you remember a guy in a front row laughing really loud? He says, yeah, I do. I said, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so much nonsense that you had to put up I didn't with. Know, I didn't know you doubled back and hit that with him. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Because I thought, you know, this guy's got no chance to succeed because the standard is undefeated. And not just undefeated, you better win by 25. And they let it go on, and they went through a slew of ex-players as athletic directors, and it was all just a freaking mess. And now we'll see if they got past that. Just getting past that, I think, will make them better. Because now they got somebody, the AD hired him, he's going to be there. It's like, there's no point in me acting up, man, because it's like the Larry Miller-Jerry Sloan thing. If you had a player who went against Jerry Sloan, who did Larry Miller back? He backed Jerry Sloan every Jay time. Jerry Slow every yeah, time, yeah. Right, so the players knew, hey, get in line, guys, because this isn't changing. It's his way or forget it, and his way usually works. So last, so last year was a mess. I think they're going to have that. Yeah, last year was a mess for USC because they're losing to Stanford, and they're losing to Oregon State, and they're losing to ASU. Mm-hmm. So you talked about those non-conference games with Rice and Fresno State. If they take care of business and win those at home, guess who they play early in the year? They're at Stanford. They're at Oregon State. Are they 4-0 when they go to ASU on October 1? Are they 5-0 walking out of there because Herm's a mess? Well, yeah, they're finished fifth. They don't, they don't, their big game with Notre Dame is at the end of the year, and they don't play Oregon and Washington. So it's set up for Lincoln to come in, and what was the phrase you used? Walk on water? Yeah. I went biblical. 6-0 coming to play the Utes in mid-October? <laughs> I like that. That's a, that's a little later. I, I would prefer like the first week of November, but I'll take mid-October. You got to give you, you can't have your like 7-0 and team play a 6-1 and team unless you push the game back to, a, to at least week 8 or 9. I disagree with you on that, man. I know you do. <laughs> big games are big games. And the stakes just rise. They don't decrease. They rise. That's, and so let them rise. Yeah, but, you can have a, but they, had, they had a big game with Oregon. What's a year. big game to us? Is it a big game nationally? How good well, that's those teams, up to the teams, how ha- good they are. How good does their record have to be? I know, I just don't know nationally, you know, 3-0 versus 3-0 uh, and is going to fire anybody up. Uh, I think it can. I think it gives, uh, the, Utah's a brand name now. The Rose Bowl helped a lot. The Rose Bowl feels like a big step forward for Utah on the national stage. I don't sure. know that a team has ever gotten that much credit and that many pats on the back in a loss. Oh, yeah, it's the rare loss that felt great. Yes, and I don't <laughs> think... Well, and the only other one that comes to mind is when BYU scheduled a game on uh, 14 hours notice and flew out for a Coastal Carolina. Yeah, that was just a freaky time. It was, but that's another thing where they lost the game and everybody celebrated the fact that it was played. Mm. I, I can't think of that many Not times the when the team level. lost and it felt like... That biggest step forward. All right, DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show, we will get you up to speed next. Stay with us. 
This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Trevor Allen, of course, covers the youths for KSLSports.com. Talk about your reaction. Quinton Ganther getting the gig. I think it's a good thing for Utah. That was the only name that, that really came to mind as someone who could come in and, and really pick up with, with what Coach Mack did in his, in his time here at, at, at Utah, and that's to be able to, to continue to bring in top running back talent, develop the guys that are in here, and send them off to the NFL. And Quinton can do that. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Five Star Painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with a five-star experience with Five Star Painting. They've got the time, skills, and tools. Fivestarpainting.com. That's fivestarpainting.com. All right, it's time to get you up to date on everything we've talked about in this show. Two slackers up to speed. PK, we had a little local college hoops in Utah State. They are in games, but not quite able to pull it off. Had a winnable game at home against Wyoming getaway. Had a 10-point lead at the half at Fresno State. But Fresno State, 40-23 to in the second half. They come roaring back and win the game. 61-54. The Aggies drop to 10-8 and and 1-4 in conference. This is a conference that's got five strong teams with NCAA hopes at the top of the league. CSU seems like the best bet. San Diego State on rep would seem to be right there, but it should be a three-team league. Maybe it'll be more than that. We'll have to see how it plays out. But as they beat each other up here, I would think at least three of these five get in. Yeah, you go way back and you talk about the strength of the league, and we're not talking about Vegas or New Mexico. You know, they've had some decent teams over the years and not the case now. But as far as the Aggies go, I expect them to have a down year relative to the last few years because they lost their staff and what a couple players transfer. Uh, Nemius goes off to the NBA. and That's a lot to replace. I mean, they've got a couple grad transfers. I don't know if they're grad transfers. I'll double check. But transfers. You know, Horvath's a pretty good player. Uh, but to me, it's not really a surprise where they're at right now. Last place in the league, the New Mexico Lobos. What has happened? It's uh, Boise State, Wyoming, Fresno State joining CSU and San Diego State at the top of the league. We'll see how that sorts itself out. Yeah, in my day, New Mexico, man, that was always a, a big trip. I mean, they just go berserk there. Yeah. They would meet. I, I've been there on Sunday nights and their Sunday night sports shows. It's like three stations. It's just Lobo basketball in the winter, uh, almost exclusively. A recruit would come into town. They'd send a crew to the airport. Yeah, just a, just a recruit, not not someone who signed, but a recruit. Yikes! Glad I, <laughs> glad I don't have to do that. Yeah, I mean that. I, well, that's why I always thought that that was one of the toughest jobs, because the expectations were so, so out of whack. Yeah. yeah. All right, NBA news. Uh, NBA trade. The deadline is coming up. The Nuggets adding a little three-point shooting and a three-team trade with the Celtics and Spurs. Bryn Forbes goes to the Nuggets. Nuggets hope he'll help with their three-point shooting. Celtics get cap relief in all of this. The Nuggets are sending Bull Bull and PJ Dozier to the Celtics. So, Bull Bull will be traded one way or another. If not Toronto, then Boston. Is that who it was, Toronto? Yeah. Yeah, they rejected the, the Bull Bull deal. He failed the physical. Yeah, I don't even remember. Uh, yeah, I, I like what uh, we had Mike Smith on, and, and he knows Mr. Ainge very well, obviously, over the years. And I like his analogy of playing golf with Mr. Ainge that 
you know, he's go for broke <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Mike did say, like, I think yeah. U.S. Open. I think fairways and greens and lots of pars and yeah. uh, a few birdies here and there. The age, man, grip it and rip it. I can reach that green. Yeah, you wonder how that translates here. And we're just getting started. We're just getting started with the Jazz in so many ways. You know, this is Ryan Smith's first full season. And what are they going to do? And we'll know. At least we'll have an idea of what he's going to do to an extent. I mean, not completely because it has to play out over years. But I think we'll have a good idea by February 10th, you know, where where they stand and, and how bold they're going to be. Now, if they don't do anything bold, that doesn't mean boldness isn't going to come down the road. So I don't want to act like it's all or nothing by February 10th. I'm not saying that. But will they be bold immediately? And it's a tough position to be into because when you think about it, you know, it's, it's got to be hard not to get caught up in the moment. The Jazz are going through a streak, not good right now. And so we're reducing expectations. I mean, I've basically eliminated best record in the West, right? And I think a lot of us have. But at the same time, it's so what? Because there are circumstances, all right, the, the Gobert thing being out, yeah, they're just not as good. And then I agree with what Mike said about the Laker game. The one for 26 out of four shooters how many times are you going to have that? And every time you have that, you're not going to win. But how many times are you going to have it? Probably not very many times. So how do you make sure that you don't get caught up right now as opposed to what's best? You know, and if it was a slam dunk trade move, then of course you would make it. Everybody would make it. You know, are you, I can give you this and I get back Jeff Hornacek? Well, yeah, of course. Or I could give you Exum and I get back Clarkson? Well, yeah, of course. But those are the trades that really alter the course of the franchise. But at the same time, sometimes they're not as crystal clear. And what do you do in those situations? You know, there's gambles there, right? You look at the Suns at Yohonasek, the first year, they roll out 48 wins. They make a bunch of changes, and they'll suck. And they make a a bunch of draft picks, and they suck. (laughs) And then you had... Ten years of losing. Ten years. And now they're on top of the world, and it seems like that ten-year period was in the uh, 1880s. seems so long ago, but it was just down the road a little bit, yeah, a few years back. And they finally got out of it. And they made good moves, right? They made, they made some good drafting Booker's a good move. Getting Chris Paul's a good move. They sort of lucked in that Aiton doesn't suck. He's not Doncic, but he doesn't suck. Doncic clearly was the pick. Aiden's got to stay healthy. That's his deal. And then he'll be a nice player. Not a megastar, which is what Doncic seems destined for. Oh, I think he's already there. I'd, I'd trade him for Mitchell right now. He's got to win to be the megastar. I think we all assume he's going to. We saw him no, hit that shot in the bubble. Around him. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And then the best player on paper can't stay healthy there so it's a problem i I don't even know if they have a best player anymore outside of him somebody's got to be it by default right you're speaking of Porzingis. porzingis but yeah i i that was a mike smith thing who would you trade mitchell for i get his point it's a very select group and it's guys who won't be traded so you're not going to 
Most likely it's, not. It's strictly yes, it's uh, hypothetical. The point, yeah. the point Mike was making is Mitchell's greatness, which right. I sign off on 100%. Right, and to do it in the mid-20s, that there are a lot of great players with great resumes, but you wouldn't trade a guy with Mitchell's ability in his 20s for a guy who's in his 30s, especially because there's a lot of stars now who are mid-30s, or in the case of LeBron, late-30s, and you would never do that. So a lot of the elite players in the game, you wouldn't, based on age. There just aren't that many players who yeah. are that good, that young. And- and and Booker, they they get this discussion uh, on Phoenix Radio. I know they Booker do. That's why I brought it up. And you know, Booker's a nice player. I think Booker because he scored seventy points. It's almost like that was a negative. You scored seventy points and your team sucks. So what? Like if he would have scored fifty, he wouldn't have taken as much grief. But he scored seventy, so he took a bunch of grief. He came uh, off as selfish in that circumstance. He's a nice player. He's a very good player. He's an All Star player. Uh, yeah, and 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 Mike's point was, yeah, when he gets Chris Paul and he really takes off, uh, I'm not sure his game individually took off. The team took off. But no he needed the team it. to win to get the recognition of being a really good player. Otherwise, he's a true. guy who puts up a lot of points on a on a bad to mediocre team. And, and Mitchell, it's not bad to mediocre. The, the Jazz, and it's. I know a lot of Jazz fans are depressed because it's the fourth best record in the West, and it is, and that doesn't lie. It's also the fourth best record in the NBA. I mean, they're not that far from the top of the heap. A number one, sing it, sing it, (laughs) sing it, Frank. The Bulls lead the East right now at 27 and 15. They're a game behind the Jazz. Uh huh. Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies, Jazz. I think the Jazz are still in the mix. I have not eliminated them. I've eliminated them for the best record, and maybe they'll su- surprise. Excuse me, surprise and go on some big time run. Don't think to that level, as that would require the Suns to stumble more than they've been stumbling so far. All right, so I've eliminated them for best record, but I still haven't eliminated them as a contender, particularly if they make a bold move. Uh, where are we? Three weeks away now. The trade that we can't perceive that we wouldn't suggest because it's too lopsided, but then it happens, and the reasons are only clear in retrospect. Maybe they find their Ronnie Cycli. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sore subject. What'd you have to do that for? Because I never thought he was the missing piece anyway. <laughs> Oh, man. In that era, my brother lived in the Bay Area and had a friend who had season tickets at work. And the guy, and this is all pre, you know, it was long enough ago, right? It's pre-internet and pre-all these secondary sites. So the guy would literally, this, this guy and his wife would go down and they would pick the games they wanted to go to. And it would be in the 15 to 20 range. And then he would put a list up of all the other games that were available. And, you, and they had pretty good seats. And you'd go to wherever you wanted. And my brother ended up with such a low opinion of Ronnie Cycli. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because he could just go to the office and buy however many games he wanted from this guy. And my brother at that point, you know, he was single. And, you know, kid, he could go to NBA games all he wanted. He had nothing going on. He was always available. <laughs> Ronnie Cycli. It reminded me of so much of living in Phoenix during the uh, 80s. When they'd get a player, oh, he's the missing piece. Lorenzo Romar, uh, James Edward, all these guys were supposed to be the missing piece. Chuck Robinson, none of them were the missing piece. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, uh, uh, college football news we talked about. Brendan Rice, son of NFL Hall of Famer Jerry Rice at Colorado. He is leaving and transferring to USC. 21 catches, 299 yards, three touchdowns last year. 
presumably he'll be playing with a better quarterback. Presumably there'll be a lot of competition at wide receiver as well. Where did he go to high school, PK? I did not know that, but you said he went to Chandler, Chandler. Arizona. He's a Chandler kid. Did he go to uh, Chandler High? I don't know the answer to that. Chandler High is the big-time football power that Conover and, and Romney and several players have been in the NFL have gone to. All right, DJ and PK, that'll give me something to do during the break. Your feedback's coming up on the other side. Stay with us. DJ and PK, 9 o'clock slackers, you're up to speed. That's most of what we talked about here in the show. You got the major topics. And it is brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% off name brand appliances. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. You making a big deal out of the sports writer sportscast of the year and asking if people were outraged that I didn't win? Greg Rubel and Jay Drew did. Ben says, I demand a cyber ninja audit. A recount? Cyber Ninja Audit somehow seems like more than a recount, but officially I think it would be a recount, yes. But doesn't it seem like escalating recount to a higher level? Uh, sure, yes. Way fancier. I'll give you that. No yeah. doubt about it. I don't know what it means, but it sounds... A ninja who understands their ways around all things uh, digital, and then audit is just a fancy word for it. It's like my uh, 16-year-old had a paper due today. hope the English teacher isn't listening. And she, the vivid description was a big key in hmm. her her paper, and she used it twice. I said, you can't use it twice. Let's say, we'll say the same thing, but we'll just fancy it up. And I gave her, I figured, what the heck, she's been trying, she's been working at this thing all day. I'll just throw in some big fancy words, bound to impress the teacher. What'd you come up with? Oh, I... I uh, Cyber Ninja Audit? No, like a <laughs> spectacular, clear example of the plethora of opportunities <laughs> waited. Always use the word plethora. <laughs> plethora is a word that is only used in papers for school, not in real life. <laughs> and she's there, oh, let me write this down. <laughs> Nobody like, says, I have hit a plethora of greens in regulation today. Nobody says, I have hit a plethora of three-pointers. Yeah. I figured if I just used a bunch of fancy words that uh, it was bound to impress the teacher. And I thought, ah, what the heck? She's been working at it. And writing, writing is a, is a skill unto itself. And um, most folks don't have it. Not that I have it, but I have it more than she does. Uh, so I helped her out a little bit by throwing down some big words that sounded good. I don't know what it meant, but it sounded good. Mercury News with the early projections for the North and South Division races in the Pac-12. Same two teams at the top, Utah and Oregon, according to uh, John Wilner. And uh, Greg says, well, as long as you stay in the Pac-12, the eighth strongest conference in the power rankings last season, they're guaranteed nine or ten wins every year. Outside of that pathetic conference, Utah was one and three. Which that was is, last year, though. Yeah. Looking next year, last year's over. I can't argue that. They were one and three. They didn't beat a team outside of the conference that was in their division. You know, obviously it was just Weber State, but that's last year. So we're looking ahead, man. We're not changing last year, and that's over. We're talking about next season already. 
I wouldn't call it a dynasty, Darren says, but it is impressive. A dynasty in a division when there's only six teams. That's a little bit too much, isn't it? Yes, yes, definitely. Because I remember leagues as being eight teams. We all get imprinted in our youth. And to me, eight's the number. Now the SEC is going to be at eight-team divisions when Oklahoma and Texas join. So that'll be a thing. Yeah, it's just that, you know, you, you backed it up with two dominant wins over the North winner. And you went to the Rose Bowl and you went toe-to-toe with Ohio State. That's a great thing about it is that's why I wanted Ohio State because we were talking about how you could be excited in a loss. If it would have been Michigan State and you lost, no. But the the fact that it was so competitive against Ohio State, everybody feels like the rare feel-good loss. And it's not Ohio State. It's the Ohio State. Oh, bleep that. I know, right? (laughs) That is so self-important. All right, DJ PK, we're out of time. Jake and Ben are coming up next. We will see you tomorrow.